Hey, now stop it. This is a family show. We're not going to have any of that business this morning. I don't know. Hearing you talk about intimacy kind of just grosses me out. <laughs> <laughs> Why does everybody I know say that? They say, every time you talk about that, I want to throw up. I'm hot. Comrade. Comrade. That's all I can say is comrade. Russian. Snow. Comrade. So Hell! Uh, oh, darn it! Shoot! I clicked the button one too many times. Rex, can we reboot that? Comrade, we're expecting some snow tonight. Snow and you dress in your winter gear, comrade. Do only Russians get snow? I mean, come on. Yes, but... <laughs> actually, I just like the outfit. <laughs> it looks rather dashing. Things furry and heavy. It's snowing, baby! I'm a snowflake! You're just a flake! Unspecified bunker that he currently lived in from 2001 to nowish. Okay. People are going to show up to your house now. Got I just it. want you to know that. There's enough fucking weirdos that show up here anyway, so they'll just get in line. But, yeah, but they're always trying to tell you about Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, or ADT, one of the both. One of the two. ADT. Um, <laughs> no, those are serial killers. All I'm right? pretty sure this guy was a serial killer in his spare time. Like, he moonlights his... Who was the John Kansas Lincoln City? Who was yeah, the Kansas yeah, City? Yeah, 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 BTK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like a cable guy. Yeah. And also a Cub Scout leader. He would of sneak out. I really, He's I really, a triple threat. I really got it <laughs> He's all. a real catch. No. <laughs> Maybe you somebody else that can install some home security, win the Pinewood Derby, and strangle your wife. Don't know. I mean, like, he's a solutions guy. <laughs> Sounds like he's kind of just doing your service there. Yeah. <laughs> And he's not even going to charge you for the labor either. No, no. 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 He's like, listen, for an extra 50, I'll go kill your wife in there. Yeah. <laughs> I read a book on him in high school. For some reason, I was fascinated with serial killers in high school. They're very fascinating. They are very, they are very fascinating. fascinating. <laughs> That's no bearings on me as a human. But he would, they would go to this Boy Scout camping, and he would set up their tent far away as he could. That wasn't, like, really weird. Conspicuous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, and up against woods. And then he would sneak out at night through the woods quietly and then go like Buried BTK, bodies. BTK people. Oh my god. <laughs> and then come back and the next morning be like, 
Okay, guys, who wants to make s'mores? It makes you, <laughs> yeah. you, you... You come to realize the only reason he was doing it was for the good cover that it was, right? Like, that's... Oh. Who's oh ready God. for their first aid training? Yeah. <laughs> As I've just fucking brutally murdered this person. Take these now. sticks and make me a fire. Do you think he, do you think he ever, like, mixed up his, like, job? So, like, he's trying to teach a kid how to swim and he goes, and keep the head down, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Wrong job. Sorry. So, guys, when you're tying your knots, you want to make sure that they're as tight as possible. Blood can be slippery. I mean, like, <laughs> these knots can be real slippery from time to time. You want to tie it real tight. My favorite is the bow line. You really can't get out of it. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, that fourth voice that you hear in this room may or may not be Josh, who is joining us from the Friends with Friends and Low Expectation podcast, which is a fantasy football-focused podcast, but they do other things, like talk shit. And since we talk shit, we figured we'd talk shit together. Love it. So The, the logic follows. So I'm tracking, man. Sure. I, talk, I need some sleepers this, this year. I need some sleepers. Yeah. Well, we can get into it. We can get into so, it. I recently listened to your fantasy, um, your NFL draft prediction show. Yeah. It's fair to say that you guys were not allowed to make any trades no. between teams, okay. and shit went cray about five minutes into the draft. Correct. Yeah, yeah. and uh, not to say I told you so, but you fucking told us so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said multiple times in there that I uh, thought that basically, like one through ten was roughly. And that, but after after ten, I imagined that it would go haywire, and it and it did. Yeah, so all bets were off <laughs> for sure. So, give us somebody, give us a handful of guys we should be watching that are going to be really successful this year from your your perspective, but also some guys who you think are going to be duds. Uh, we're talking specifically rookies. Studs and duds. Studs and duds. <laughs> rookies or just oh, draftees. Yeah, let's go rookies. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, this is on the spot. I think Malik Willis is a sleeper. Hmm. Um, he's I can drink to that. Drink to that. Uh, <laughs> I get Jalen Hurts vibes from him, uh, but he's got a stronger arm, and I think is a would be a more successful passer than Jalen Hurts. And the reason I say that is I think you look at Atlanta. <laughs> there's not much going on there. Right. And it's nice to say or nice to think that a, that a, a team is going to say like, yeah, you know, we'll we'll wait, we'll wait. They're not, they're not going to wait. Tannehill yeah. is not doing anything. Um, so, yeah. like, you have... Well, they just traded A.J. Brown. But you have... Um, who do they, they draft? They, they got the kid from Arkansas, Burks. Burks, Burks. You get Derrick Henry. They're coming off of a pretty good AFC run. I think that's a guy that, you know... Especially with Tannehill being the way that he's being. If Tannehill comes in and throws 180 yards and two interceptions... And really, any of the four or five first games, I think you could see Malik Willis come in. He did have a soft landing spot going in the third round, so the expectations are yeah. a little bit lower for him. Was the third or the fourth round? The third round, back in the gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, go ahead. No, no. I, that's that's a guy that I like. That's a big sleeper. If he plays, I think that's someone that you you could pick up and stash, like off the free agency, mm-hmm. um, like at, right after your draft, the waiver wire, um, and stash him. The, the guy that I'm probably highest on and I think is going to be uh, the most successful, Chris Olave. Um, perfect, perfect for Jameis. Perfect for Jameis. Just run fast. Yep. Although, <laughs> although, let's be real though, what are the Saints doing? 
<laughs> yeah. They don't they don't have a game plan right so, now. So like when when they made that trade, right? I think everybody was like, oh, they're move they're gonna make a move for Willis, they're gonna make a move for Pickett, somebody they're gonna move up a quarterback. They give a first round pick for next year, second round pick in twenty twenty four to the Eagles. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like, I, I think the, the wind started to change. That it was like, oh, they're probably targeting a receiver and a tackle. Yeah. And then they move up. And I mean, I like Chris Olave, but like, it just seemed crazy moving up for him. They're yeah. going through their Britney Spears. Like, they did it uh, in 2019. They did for shaving the head? Yeah. Well, you know, I think. Um, no Sean Payton? <laughs> well, I mean, very okay. Also, I it's, a, it's a lot of confidence because if that 2019, uh, the 2023 pick. The first round pick could be top ten now without a guy like Sean Payton there. Right. Well, for all the love that Sean Payton's gonna get, and um, I went to LSU. Um, I love the state of Louisiana. Go Tigers. I, go Tigers. But I cannot stand the Saints. Uh, before I was a, an LSU guy, I went to school in, in Western Florida, and uh, all the Saints fans and that all everyone was Saints fans in that area, and all those fans were also Alabama fans. Uh, and before I even like, was an LSU uh, student, I hated Alabama. So I've never liked the Saints, and I'm also a Vikings fan. Uh, and that's, we have some history with the Saints. Um, skull, uh, skull, baby. Um, <laughs> particularly 2009, um, we should have won the Super Bowl that year. It may or opinion. may not remember that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brett Favre's racist knees certainly. good that Sean Payton did. Sean Payton really screwed them on his last couple years there uh, with his unwillingness to just move on from yeah. Drew Brees, yeah. from Taysom Hill. Um, oh, those teams have those problems, man. They just yeah, you, I mean, you get build on one guy and they can't let go. You know, Taysom Hill had some flashes in the pan and, and it, I think it was fun to see him like be this kind of utility man that could be a tight end for you. He could play receiver, he could play quarterback. You know, you could, you could line him up at running back and run a wildcat if you wanted to. It was a cool concept, but it was never going to work. And it feels like everyone outside of New Orleans yeah. understood that. Yeah. And everyone inside of the New Orleans organization had no idea. And so if they had made that move and moved on from them earlier, mm-hmm. you know, we maybe we're still in the same spot. Quarterbacks are really hit or miss, I, I feel, um, particularly coming out of college these days. You get a Joe Burrow uh, that are going to be probably bona fide studs, but then you get like a Patrick Mahomes when he came out. Not a lot of fanfare. Right? Well, no, and and I'll be hand up that when they traded Alex Smith, I was like, for Patrick Mahomes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He when like, Mahomes came out, I'm like, this kid's either going to be in Hall of Famer or he's going to be out of the league in two years. Yeah, like, there's no in between. And I think that, I mean this is a huge draft of guys that are exactly that. Yeah. Like a Kenny Pickett, his hands are either going to be way too small to grip the ball. Uh-huh. Or he's going to have to grab like both hands. <laughs> <laughs> Serving a volleyball. <laughs> uh, he's probably never going to hear this, but um, but Carl's one of the guys in our league, and he was um, he's a huge draft nerd, and so he was a, a guest on the show when we did the draft, and uh, he's a huge Steelers fan, and he mm. hates Kenny Pickett. And uh, there's not a lot of people that are like all about Kenny Pickett. It's either like you're meh on him, or he, like he's, he's the Steelers Daniel Jones for like like his yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the interesting thing is, you would think he'd get a little bit of a hometown discount on that, like on the hate. But right. he's not. No. Still, no. They, they're more critical because they've seen what he's done. He's right. more in there. Yeah. And that, that's also like a play on Pennsylvania at large, though, because w- when you live in Pennsylvania, you're a Penn State fan. Like yeah. the Pitt like fan base and the Temple fan base is pretty small comparative to yeah. like 
the Joe Paterno Lemming Squad that is the Penn State <laughs> fan base. Lemming uh, Squad. So let me ask we you, are. Yeah. <laughs> let me ask you a question. Uh, because this this year, obviously, running backs were not as heralded sure. as they usually are, right? So no running backs in the first round. If you go through all the running backs in this class, do you think there's one? Because obviously, fantasy, everyone's always looking for the running backs, especially yeah. later in the year when they get hurt. Are there any running backs that you are targeting this year that are rookies? No, not not in a way that's going to be impactful. Okay. Um, not like a la- like Najee Harris coming out last year was like a, you know, I I still think it's a little bit insane, um, and Najee did really prove me right in this, but you know, I, I think a couple years back about Saquon and then Christian McCaffrey, um, Najee, and there's something else I'm forgetting in the recent years, but were you know when you're looking at mock drafts going into the season, they're at like you know, four or five or six in a 10-man league in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is someone that's not even carried a ball in the NFL yet, and you're going to use a first-round pick on them. Yeah. So uh, Jonathan Taylor being another one of them. And again, mm-hmm. you know, Jonathan Taylor's certainly proved a lot of people wrong, but sure did. You know, year. <laughs> I, I don't see, I didn't really feel like uh, at the skill position, save wide receiver, and I think this is a, a case too uh, for drafting that, Wide receiver, uh, there's a couple of elites, and then the, the middle of the of the wide receiver pack is gigantic. Yeah, it's huge. You're gonna get there's a, a couple of like you gotta get um, you gotta get Jamar Chase, you gotta get Justin Jefferson, and the Diggs, yep. Tyreek Hill, uh, Devontae Adams, and then after that, it's gonna be a lot of like six hundred yards a year kind of guys. And even now, Tyreek Hill going to Miami. I mean, you gotta be concerned going from Mahomes to Tua. Yeah, I mean speed. You know, the, the quickness, like, that obviously hasn't left, but the <laughs> gigantic difference. Giant. Yeah. And Tua throwing to you versus... Tua tries to make the Mahomes, you know, on the run, kind of... <laughs> just in slow motion. Throws. It's, like, it's like a shotgun compared to a BB gun, though. So right, like, right. Yeah. Much slower, yeah. and it's like five yards instead of ten. Yeah. You know, I mean, the we're supposed to be ten yards. yards. Pew, pew. The two and on crowd is probably going to disagree with us. And, no, like, they don't us, like us. Send us hate mail, but, I mean... I think the experiment for them is this is just a waiting game at this point. They're waiting for something better. Yeah. And the, again, the Dolphins are just such a weird fucking team at this point. Like, Steve Ross. Place. It's a perfect example of when a team decides to hold on to a general manager from the previous organization and hire a new coach. It's going to be, it's ne- it's never worked as far as I can remember. And it's going to fuck over the and coach. Too. Ultimately, yeah, the coach. And I like, I like Mike, uh, Mike Daniel from, mm-hmm. yep, uh, yeah. from San Francisco. Uh, I like him a lot, and it kind of sucks to see that he's probably because like it doesn't seem like they're drafting guys for him. They only have like four picks too. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's the, the problem right. is like when you have that GM head coach mismatch, right? Yeah, like yeah. there's an established way they're doing things, and now there's a head coach who has a totally different game plan, yeah. and he's got to improvise to get on the same level, or like vice versa, right? Exactly. So they have to find a middle ground instead of. Having like a plan, like to right. come in together and do something. Well, so. you get stuck in that. You get stuck in the same mindset. So, like the yeah. Vikings are for a good example for, of that. Of we've been in this defensive mindset, and we've had generational talent at running back, at receiver, and we still get stuck in this defensive strategy because you know Rick Spielman was there for a long time, and all of our coaches were defensive minded coaches, and and I love Zimmer, um, but I also am a Kirk Cousins. I don't want to say Stan. But I think Kirk Cousins gets shit on a lot more. Under, he's underrated. Uh, 
Uh, if you, I mean, if you look at the stat line, it's insane what he's able to do yeah. with a coach that wanted nothing to do with him. Like, Mike Zimmer would have been thrilled if Kirk Cousins got in a car accident and, like, broke all his legs. Yeah. The Mike McDaniel situation in Miami reminds me of, like, an analogy of, like, Zack Snyder's Justice League and then Joss Whedon has to come in and finish it. Like, <laughs> it's like Mike McDaniel's going to come in with all these, like, fucking broken pieces and, like, all right, I guess we're going to build something out of this. Right, Just right. hands him the scotch tape. Hope like, this works! <laughs> Figure it out as you go. You get you get stuck. You have the same, you have that you build your team around whether it's a defensive scheme or an offensive scheme or whatever. And then if the person comes in and has a different scheme or his you know offensive mind instead of defensive minded or whatever, like you know you've got to kind of like you said cut ties with everybody and yeah. just start fresh. It's pretty hard to turn around a fifty-eight person roster and then the coaching staff and then well, like the front office administration. Like that takes a very long time. Well, to do. but that, but I think that's where. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I said this in the in our thing. I felt like the Jags were gonna were gonna do what they did, Holy which is avoid. They don't know what they're doing. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they don't know. No, what we're keeping Trent Balky. It's just I mean, it never worked for anybody keeping Trent Balky around. So. Well, you just you gotta. Does he have like naked pictures of people that he's able to get jobs? To no, he just hands them, naked like, pictures of himself to people. <laughs> just. <laughs> All right, we'll hire you. Stop giving me these fucking pictures, man. He's like, if you fi- if you think you think about firing me, I will load your internet, your email, your naked pictures of myself will be ruined. I really didn't want to extend them, but I'm just tired of seeing his balls. God, he's just all over Microsoft Teams, and I can't, I can't get away from him. You open your email, and it's just all from him, like re 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 re. <laughs> Trent Balky is definitely the guy that sends like the early 2000s chain emails. Oh my god. That's like, <laughs> a, go. it's, like it's like the Easter bunny. Like, yeah. you know, like, and then like you click on it and it like folds down his like overalls and he's got like wrinkly balls. <laughs> Send this to 25 of your friends or your kids are going to be electrocuted. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send this to 25 of your friends or they're going to vote for Killary. Oh god. <laughs> That's so your, that's, that's John. Walker. He's on the John Gruden email thread. Yes, for sure. Okay, for sure. Cool. For sure. Love that for, sure. for him. <laughs> that's your Ron Walker pick was puzzling to me. Well, you know that. To, I just feel like he's a Georgia pick. Like, yeah, and to, to your point, like about like flipping over the roster. My point to, to their pick is that like you just pick Aiden Hutchinson. Is he the? Yeah, it's easy. Does he have the ceiling? Probably not. Right. Right. Like he. Like he probably is not. There's a there's a window there that he's not going to probably hit. But he's going to be solid for you. Mm-hmm. He's going to make probably eight Pro Bowls. He's going to play fifty. He's going to be an Andrew Whitworth, right? Yeah. Like fuck, that works for me. I mean, he, well, he could be on the defense. He could be, side. Right. He could be yeah. Jared Allen. Yeah, like a, a guy that's sort of like he's great. One of my favorites of all time. <laughs> he could be um, one of the Williams uh, twins. That actually twins, but yeah. like just there's a stalwart on that on that defensive line for years, yeah. and you don't have to worry about that. And that's something that's not going to change. Right, like with coaching changes or scheme changes, like you're always going to need a big guy on the line. seat dependable. Yeah. He can convert speed to power, so he can play right. both games if you want to. If you want to go into more power, like power scheme, but like it's amazing. Like I felt like they could have taken Thibodeau, uh, Hutchinson, Neal, or Quanu, and it would have been fine. So right. I feel like round one got kind of plagued with hometown hero stuff. Yeah, and it's weird that that factors into a decision about winning football games. You know what I mean? Like, we talk about picking, you know, but, yeah. like, 
it it's it shouldn't it should be the last thing kind of on your mind in terms it's like how much can I sell this guy it's like right. that's not gonna produce stats for you necessarily right. or work for your team correct so I to me it, it it's weird I it's weird. I, I, I was really happy for the Lions. <laughs> Uh, I want to. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hutchins, they turned the card in so fast. It wasn't ours. <laughs> yeah, like two the seconds, pick, like picks in. The like, NFL draft has begun, <laughs> and the pick is in. Like it yeah, was, it was uh, thirty uh, seconds or something. Like, if you listen to part of my take, but they they made the joke that like how shitty it has to feel for you to be the Texans. And you're you're walking up there to announce your pick, and the Lions already had their pick in, and you're like, oh fuck, what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> like, they made that pick so fast. Um, but I, I was happy for the Lions because they couldn't fuck it up. Yeah. Like, at that point, it fell in their lap. Like if they, if, it's an easy move for them. Right. If, they, if Aiden Hutchinson went one, then they'd be trapped. What is it? Yeah. I would have been surprised if the Lions took Malik Willis at two at that it point. Shocked me. Yeah. You know, they they got their hand got forced, and I think it's. <laughs> When they moved up from 32, though, I remember I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's got to be Willis. Got to be Willis. And then the run on receivers was just insane there. Yeah. And, like, they barely, like, how did you feel about that as a Vikings fan, though? Because I, I looked at that trade between the Lions and yeah. the Vikings and I'm like, I don't know if they got, like, insane value based on, like, what the Eagles did. Yeah. With the I, I think we got a, I think we, our trading out of 12 was a, was a better uh, haul for us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think. Again, with the exception of maybe some receivers, um, if you look back in the, it's really a fun thing to do around draft time. They're like, Ooh, if you redrafted this class, there's a lot of draft classes where the majority of the first round are duds mm-hmm. and are people that never, re- for whatever reason, never really pan out. Whether it's the team fit or them or they want the act like the, the transition from college to the NFL doesn't work, whatever it is. Unless there's a guy to go for. I was fine with us moving back and moving out. Mm. I know Vikings fans were pissed about the trade with division rivals. Of course, you'd like love not to trade within the division if possible. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said earlier, like I didn't feel like there was anybody past ten. To me, like ten. Really, there was one guy that I wanted us to take in the first round, and if we couldn't get him, I was fine with moving out. Oh, tempted to guess here. Go ahead. You're gonna call me a defensive player. Yes. Sauce Gardner. Oh, okay. Oh, Derek Stingley. Derek Stingley. Okay, Derek Stingley. So, uh, so uh, Sauce Gardner was out of your room. Uh, uh, I would have taken Sauce, but Sauce uh-huh. went at... He was going to go over Because he went at seven or eight. And yeah. so when he, when he went, I didn't think we were going to get Stingley. Well, a month ago, I thought we were going to get Stingley. He, and then he shot up the draft. What a, what a crazy year he had. Because you're talking about a guy who... Crazy was, couple years. I mean, you're talking about he was a top three pick, no doubt about it. Yep. And then there was guys like Jeremiah who were saying that, like, he may go 18 or 19. Right. And then uh, all of a sudden he ends up going, you know, three overall, just exactly like yeah. everyone predicted. He played out of his mind in 2019. Obviously, anybody one of the best like, years I think we've ever seen. Yeah, and then he was a true freshman. Insane. Which is yeah, absolutely insane. And then COVID injuries, Kocho's complete bungling of <laughs> just anything that go wrong. Well, wrong. Everyone, yeah. two years of ter- of terrible, and uh, I think. His LSU teammate helped him in that. Yeah. Um, in Jamar Chase, showing, you know, there was a lot of questions around the draft. The talent is there mm-hmm. in a similar position. They took the thing that took him at four last year, four or five. Uh, five. Five. Yeah. And Singley went at three. Yeah. yeah. And you know, so a top five pit, top five talent before they took a year or two off. Mm-hmm. Is it is it still there? Right. And Jamar Chase came out and said, "Yeah, clearly I can take a year off and still be dominant." I think that helped that case. I mean, yeah. <laughs> dominant is definitely the word. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to see. So you're an LSU guy, right? Yes. All right, so I'm a Giants fan. Okay. I need you to sell me on Cordell Flott. Okay. Because I I, I like Cordell Flott a lot. I like the fact that he's only 20. Yeah. He's a younger guy, scrappy, a lot of force fumbles. Yeah. He's good at peanut punch. Yeah. But seemed a little early at the back end of the uh, back end of the third round. So you, I need you either tell me how it was a good pick or it was a bad pick. I don't. Okay. Also, I say this without context of. All the Giants needs, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't tell you off the top of my head what the Giants draft really looked like. The, right. the Giants need a lot. <laughs> yeah, they, they, much, they're smart and we're in recovery mode yeah, right uh, now. My it's, favorite thing when we were doing the, the mock draft was I think it was only one team that had it on there. The uh, the Texas it was everything, everything, everything. <laughs> <laughs> the Texas you know it, uh, it was a PFF I think we were using their draft tool. Yes, yeah. and it was like uh, you know most teams like. Quarterback, quarterback, linebacker, <laughs> corner, you know, or, or sometimes even be more specific, like an edge. Right. You know, <laughs> theirs was everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, every time I looked at that, I cracked up. Um, okay. I, I am, um, I'm going to be high on every defensive player that comes out of LSU. You're, you're speaking, keep, you're, um, you're making me happy. So, okay. um, I don't, again, I don't know. Who was on the board when he came off that fit into your need skill set? But on the offensive side, you saw what a single playmaker can be in Odell Beckham. Yeah. Right. And so, like, to me, you can't un- you can't uh, under or overestimate the thing. How you look at it, the value of that of, it, of, it, of it, having a, of having a playmaker, yeah. and I maybe say it's a small reach, a thir- late third. You know, late fourth would be my range for him. So I, yeah. I think he's at the high end of that of that range yeah. where you picked him. But um, I don't think you're going to be displeased with him. Yeah, and and I mean, like we just got AJ Brown in the division, so yeah. now we, we definitely need corners. Um, it just like I think he, I think a lot of it was for him was that it's just like he was kind of like a, a late riser. So yeah. I was getting a little concerned with those late risers because it's like you know, what, what what changed all of a sudden that now all of a sudden he's like flying off the draft. Well, I, I think I. I I think part of that is you look Stingley helped right yeah. with with his pro day and Flop looked good alongside Stingley at the pro day which Agreed. which helped. Yeah. Uh, and if you got a guy who won in the top five, then you got this guy that played alongside him. I think you're also looking at the uh, I mean Jamison Williams, um, Burke, uh, all these huge gigantic receivers yeah. coming out of the SEC. You know, if you're posting a meager stat line against them, if you're holding them. It's a eighty or it's a hundred. I mean, yeah. holding a, sounds crazy, but holding a receiver in college like yeah. hundred yards yeah. in a, in a game and a t- hundred yards and a touchdown is actually a pretty good game. Yeah. Uh, and so I think to your point about having an AJ Brown come to the division, you know, a gigantic receiver, could have fought someone that's seen that. Yeah. Um, like a Sauce Gardner to me has the skill set. Everything. But the people that Cincinnati like Cincinnati is not playing the behemoths. Tears, yeah. Of, of, and I don't want to use. There's a word that gets used that I don't. I think is a, a smidge on the racist nose, but uh, a specimen. I don't like the word specimen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a strange way. It, yeah, it feels a little bit like that specimen. Over it's there. Like, a little bit too on the nose of like white men sitting around picking black males to do the work. It's for kind them. of like yeah. when they talk about the white guy. It's like, yeah, 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 scrappy yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I get taken he's, vibes whenever I hear the word specimen. Like the person, he's a like cracker. the person, like Whoa. dancing in like yeah. a little room and people yeah, betting on him. Yeah, yeah. That's for Hispanic guys. He's a firecracker. Yeah, yeah. Those are one of y'all's asshole of the week a couple weeks ago was. um... 
<laughs> Sounds right. He listens to the show. I was listening to the show. I was listening to the show when I came, so I could get in the in the in the mindset. Also, uh, I can't remember which one of you said it. Um, I had an idea the other day, and I changed my opinion on it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So you owe me a beer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But... <laughs> you gladly at Chris. <laughs> but um, but there was there was um the old the old ass dude that was like talking about. Um, how uh, he did Oh, the guy on uh, Gil Brandt was that Gil his name? Brandt? Yes, Gil Brandt. that was mine. Um, Gil was Brandt. Scumbag. Yeah, and there. Um, and then I'll talk. Um, it, it's crazy. He's talking about Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. Yes. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. I think the normal. I think the normal thing to do in that scenario is just to even if what you didn't like, like the kid, whatever. You don't have to say kid, anything. You can just say it's a tragedy. Yeah. You know, it's really sad. But like, but for, everybody knows Dwayne Haskins sucked. Right. <laughs> Saying nothing. And then, okay. and then you Dwayne Haskins yeah. knows that Dwayne Haskins sucked. And then you had Schefter. But like, Schefter. death is not a football problem. That's the. And like, then you had Adam Schefter putting you know, out like his you don't have career to say failed in Washington. It's like, how are you gonna say that? Yeah. Everyone yeah. knows. Right. Twenty-five year old kid who just got struck and killed. They're just trying to make talking points for some something, you know? Right. Like if, if, drama, if, if, drama. A white, if a white quarterback out of Texas. Sat on the bench for a couple of years and, and had a you know, as a high pro- like Sam Ellinger and Sam Ellinger does nothing in yeah. the next three years and then yeah. dies. What's the headline going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Promising exactly. cute quarterback. <laughs> Promising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. dies in the prime of his life for some bullshit. <laughs> right. Like that. right. Still had all the potential in the world. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or Mina Kimes pointed out there was a there was a ba- I think it was a Bears. We are Mina Kimes fan, but yeah, yeah, so. yeah uh, time. <laughs> I, I uh, may- maybe <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, Elon Musk's Twitter. Um, <laughs> coming into play here, but um, but all of a sudden, randomly, I started listening to your podcast, and now Mina Kimes comes up on my Twitter love that. like suggestions all the time. She listens to us too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love you, Mina. <laughs> but she had pointed out uh, she had like a little um, uh, monologue the other day about there was a Bears um, scout or something. I think it was the Bears. I love for the Bears because I hate them. It makes me. Hate them more. But, um, <laughs> he came out and said that um, he this this black athlete had a PhD, and it was like about um, poor, he's like poor, hungry, and wow, some, something. And it was basically like God. Uh, funneling this this kid's like life story into being like uh, they, the the shittiest point is they meant it in a positive. You know, this, this kid comes from poverty. He's got nothing. He's got nothing going for him in his life. So, you know, he's going to be committed to football. So it was, it was a clever a, catch. It was apparently a bear scout called named Chris Prescott who described him as a PhD, poor, hungry, and desperate. God damn it. Yeah. Football. <laughs> it's a quantum biscuit from Penn State uh, safety. He did respond. That's not who I am. So it's is he ever going to the Bears? I have no idea. That would be fine. Yeah. That would be real awkward. If he actually did go to the Bears. So if, I, if he did go to the Bears, I, that'd be a real okay. fucking weird. If I was that meeting. scout, I would ask to work remotely for as long as he's on the team. You guys might have had this work from. Uh, I'm gonna scout people in it's, Scandinavia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love when these random like scout quotes come out and like. I remember a couple of years ago, the Giants drafted a uh, corner, uh, Eli Apple, at yeah. Ohio State, and they drafted him like 10th overall, which was definitely a reach. And one scout came out and was like, he's such a child, he doesn't even know how to cook his own dinner. And I was like, what the 
hell is that? And then, but then after a couple years, I'm like, you might be kind of a child. I don't know. But my, my favorite Eli Apple moment. Oh, um, there's a, there's so many. So many is uh, is and again, I hate the Saints, but was him coming for the city of New Orleans, yeah. and then the entire state of Louisiana. Just dragging him. Just dragging him. He's one of those guys who just cannot get out of his own fucking way. He just does shit. That, I feel, was it him? Um, well, his mom also yeah, okay, apparently yeah. is like yeah, big yeah, on Twitter yeah. too. Yeah, Apple. Yeah, yeah. Apple. For some what a reason, game. I love that. For yeah. some reason, and I have no idea why, but I guess I don't have no idea why. But I every time I think of Eli Apple, I think of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did he do a Campbell's Chunky Soup ad or something? I think a lot of Giants players did for quite Saquon did. Saquon did. Yeah. Eli, Eli. A hearty hater yeah. bisque. It must be because mm. Donovan Nam's mom was in it. Yes. And I, ah. When I think of Eli Apple, I think of his mom. And so I, for some reason, I just there's yeah. a Campbell's <laughs> Chunky Soup connection there. Like. What, 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 which, uh, which soup? Which soup yeah. would he be on the can of? Which one? Anything that's burnt. <laughs> which flavor? Anything that's burnt. Burnt, burnt bisque. Ooh, I see what you did there. Can you look at we, we need to look up uh, what what flavors there are. <laughs> I don't want to give them a good one. I don't. <laughs> the ones that come on top of my head are ones that I would eat. While we're, while we're looking for that, um, so you're a Vikings fan. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite guys coming out this year was uh, Dalvin's little brother, James yeah. Cook. I think he might be a sleeper going to Buffalo because of his pass catching abilities. Yeah. So, you know, Devin Singletary and, you know, the, the running backs there really haven't kind of, like, established themselves. Do you think he's maybe a guy that, like, you get maybe in, like, the 10th round that could maybe walk away with, like, 50 catches, maybe six, 700 yards on the ground? you feel like maybe that's, that's a spot for him? Yeah, I, I do. Like, I, I think it depends on where you see Zach Moss and Devin, Devin Singletary uh, going. But to your point, they don't have... They don't have running backs. Right. That was a big problem for them last year. Yeah. They weren't able to run the ball effectively. And, and for Allen being able to scramble like he does, getting a guy like Cook maybe running like a Texas route or something, yeah. you know, getting them out in space. And I think I, I'd be interested to see how, how things go through through OTAs and, and rookie mm-hmm. minicamp and all that. But um, one of the things, uh, I think he's actually not as good of a player as they make him out to be. Uh, yeah. Again, not, not to Cook, mm-hmm. not to uh, Cook, but... Um, uh, Stephon Diggs' little brother, uh, Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, is a sh- absolute, well, his absolute liability yeah. cornerback. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he can make uh, big plays. He can make big plays when yeah. he needs to. Um, if you want him one on one, you're I, in trouble. I, I, I joke because like you know I, I, I hate the Cowboys more than anything. Yeah, and I was always like everyone's like making a big deal about the interceptions, and it's definitely amazing. Sure. Yeah. He had over a thousand receiving yards last year. Yeah, he was he gets up a lot of yards. So. Yeah. Well, I think I think that shows that like you can get by even if you're not talented. <laughs> I think we found the winner of Eli Apple and oh, what he no. would sponsor. It is the Campbell's Chunky Chili Mac Beans Macaroni Pasta and Meat. That's definitely it. So that sounds like fucking dog. Though food. I could also say the sausage and pepper rigatoni. Oh my god, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's you know, just that's my body. Judge me as you may, that actually doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like an adult uh, chef word. Yes. <laughs> I don't. No shame, chef word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when I open up this, two cans of chef word and pour them into a bowl, my wife looks at me like, "How I'm old not, are you?" I'm not gonna lie. This strikes <laughs> me as right. like <laughs> this, <laughs> this strikes me as like 
depressed male in his 50s just eats this cold in front of Jekyll. Oh. <laughs> Wait, you guys heat the stuff up? <laughs> you don't just crack the can? Yeah. <laughs> if, if they could have the um, the potatoes from like the clam chowder, mm. but in Skyline Chili, that's Eli Apple. Oh, wow. How odd. Because I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skyline chili is is that the spaghetti and chili with cheese on it? Yeah, Um, yeah. I never had it, so I I I honestly don't blame you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know Cincinnati. (laughs) Everyone that I've heard has had it has had to stop immediately and just shit their brains out. So (laughs) it's Yobagaya. No, no no desire to try it. Um, But if I had to guess what it tastes like, I would say shit. Yeah, <laughs> roughly somewhere in the, in the realm, realm of shit. shit. We're talking about delicious meal to shit. I'm gonna lean more towards shit. I think yeah. you know some meals have to have like an eye appeal in order to make me want to eat them. And safe to say, chili on top of just like spaghetti does not weird. strike me as something. I'm like, that, you know, that what we should do today. We should go get chili spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. That's just like, what am I pulling out as leftovers to make one meal? Yeah, that is definitely like after, like after fucking like Super Bowl party. You just work the double. Get home from work. (laughs) Are those marshmallows on top of it? (laughs) It's Lucky Charms. I'm actually gonna look this up. I would not put it. I'm gonna say dollops of sour cream, maybe. Oh, yeah. What is? But they came out like chunks of onion. You know what it could oh, be? Yeah, yeah, it could yeah, be yeah, just yeah. they put that it That would make sense because right. that's something you would actually do that would make sense. Right. <laughs> I feel like if you the whole time I'd be eating it, I would feel like I I just wanted regular spaghetti sauce. There you know I mean? yeah. I'd be like, this would be so much better than just spaghetti sauce. Yeah, this could it's, just be bolognese. This is right. <laughs> they put they top it with oyster crackers, you know, you stuff you put in the soup. Yeah. Yeah. Those little crackers. Yeah, they put that on. So this is like this is like bordering on like a Rochester garbage plate. I, it's more so yeah. like we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. It's it's late. Like we're just gonna do this. And Hi, I'm stoned. For, I'm gonna make. Something. If it doesn't, I would be disappointed if it doesn't come out on a paper plate and flung. It is essentially what you know. It's essentially what it is. A single paper plate. Yeah. <laughs> like the really flimsy ones that you have to hold with two hands. Like the whole a, place is filled with couches. So you there's not a there's couch not, no spill guarantee on these plates. So <laughs> most Every, of the floor is just spills. Everybody was like, this, this is what I bought. Did, did you guys ever have, did your family ever have, uh, maybe I'm just this poor and this white, but we had these, um, uh, what's like a basket, like what's it called, like a basket weeding, like, um, like, a, like wicker, a wicker basket? Like a wicker, yes. Yeah. They're like a wicker, <laughs> so fucking white trash. They're wicker um, paper plate holders. I yes, those guys. Yeah, yeah. Except they weren't wicker, yeah. they were made out of plastic, but they were looked to me like... No, these were, were actual wicker, and you just like yeah, bungled yeah. in the paper plate yes, into yeah. them. So, two only, so you spent money to only have to use one paper plate <laughs> per... Okay, I'm not the only one. Yeah, Dude, no, 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 you're no, good. No. Red socks. Is that an early 90s? Yeah, very much so. so. Yeah, okay. yeah, I, think, yeah. I think it's pretty universal. Like for like anybody in the nineties. Well, I just say that because when I went to my friend's house, they most certainly did not. Have really? I mean, I still no. use red solo cups for weeks. Like, okay. The same one, I'll just like rinse it and reuse for, it out for days bit? and days yeah, and days yeah, yeah. until it actually like gets to the point where it's so worn that the where my lip has been is like gone. Like <laughs> uh, solo cups quickly morphed for me from one of those um, cool fun fact things to a stop telling me the fun fact. <laughs> the the lines in the solo cups that tell you like a shot versus like a beer or whatever. 
that was a really cool fact to learn when I was like 19. Yeah, when I was getting uh, Heavy alcohol education from yeah. fraternity. <laughs> and then like, every year it's like, did you know? Did yeah, you know? Actually, yeah. I did know. Yeah. Like, it's rankers, top 15 things you didn't know in household appliances. Yeah, like, no shit. Thank you, BuzzFeed. Like, I've been drinking heavily since I was in my late teens. I think I got this figured out. Right <laughs> you play beer pong and Also, the liquor lines are very off. Yeah. yeah. Way, way too low. Yeah. Uh, but to, to your point about, about cooks, uh, I feel like we've had... We're going to listen back on this and we're going to have... It's going to be old so old. many dead ends. So I thought... That, that's on me. No, that's, no, no. Uh, we can always... I have oh, a, uh, dude. We can edit those out. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't care about editing. I have... Uh, you guys don't watch Marvel, but... Yeah, well, he doesn't. I don't know. He doesn't. No. Um, so there's a, there's a show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe called Loki. Yeah. And yeah. when they open the door and it's like all the branches, that's my brain. That's just how my brain works. It's like there's one timeline. Infinite branches. We're going to a different timeline. Uh, it's like the episode it's... of Community where they roll the dice. Yeah. And like all the different timelines <laughs> and possibilities come from it. It's kind of what happens. Donald Glover walks in with a. With a pizza and yeah. fire. <laughs> it's kind of what happens Jeff when you're passionate leg. about the topic. Like, like, there's so many fucking people. There's 252 people that went in the draft, and there's so many possibilities. Like, right. right. It's it's hard to predict it all, but at the same time, though, it is it's exciting to figure it out um, and see those guys that. The thing I always liked about the draft was I always wanted to see where guys that I followed in college went. Yeah. Because I was always invested in them, like. Ron Nassim. Yeah. We stand. Um, <laughs> but, like, seeing where they go, and then also those guys who, like, are from the smaller schools, and they're able to find, like, a niche in yeah. Yeah. Um, the NFL outside of the Patriots, who just, like, draft, like, guys who wrote crew at Yale and some shit <laughs> like that. Can we talk about that, actually? The guy they drafted from uh, Tennessee Chattanooga, like, where are your thoughts on them basically drafting a guy who, like, you would think was also a host in a Red Lobster. <laughs> uh, it's better than the 3%er guy they drafted. I was well, talking about that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than that guy. I was guy. talking about that the other day. It's so oh, hard. Man. Like, the, uh, sorry, sidetrack again. But the, the thing that gets me about that is, of all the things, it's a, was that a puncher or a kicker? Yeah. That was a kicker of the 3%er, like, yeah. You couldn't draft a controversial... Like a white supremacist quarterback that might, yeah. have, that might, <laughs> have, like, <laughs> might give you a good soundbite once in a while. Right. Yeah. Like, like, no, you draft, like, you basically you wasted all that energy you had to expend on, like, oh, no, we're sorry, we're not racist on a punter. Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of like the Giants a couple years with Josh Brown, the kicker. He, he got into a domestic violence situation and they stuck by him. And I was like, it's a fucking yeah. kicker. Get rid of they tried yeah. to brush it under the rug. <laughs> like, it's not even like a quarterback you owe $200 million to, Sean Watson. Um, it's like it's it's a, it's a fucking kicker. Just get rid of him. He's yeah. like four years old. Do we know how yeah, tall yeah, guy yeah. is from Chattanooga? Cole Strange. Yeah, I don't know. Doctor Strange love. He's like six four. Oh, okay, okay. He's he's a good sized guy. I mean, I, I liked him a lot, but like I was like well, too late, early. late third maybe. Yeah. Um, older prospect, kind of like a late rider. But Bill, Bill Belichick. Has, He's getting has, text messages from Dave Gettleman. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, uh, let me do, hold on a second. I'm just gonna go see what, about a man. <laughs> He's earned it, but I, like I was saying this the other day too, was that sometimes I think that that's his. He wants people to believe. He's a genius so much that he's he goes and grabs guys. That should be later in the in the draft. Because yeah. he's outsmarting people. Yeah. To, to, but and then so they end up being slightly better 
than where they people would have picked him for. Yeah. But that doesn't make him like make that player good at when he drafted. It's them. it's a terrible you know situation. What I mean? Like that's for, the like it's like the Daniel Jones thing, right? Like I said, like that Daniel Jones getting picked sixth overall made him absolutely doomed. Yeah, yes. because even if he lives up to the expectations, of the six, well. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, if they live, yeah. if they live up to those expectations, you're talking. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Oh God! <laughs> I can't believe they did that. In a, in a draft with Mahomes and Watson too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking let's let's reflect Mitch. on that one real quick. Cocaine Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> but even if they live up to the expectations, it's like, well, you still could have gotten them later, and you would have had that great player later. And if they don't, you're the bozo that took them. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like it's like a mixture of the thing we talked about, where like um, the adult, the Lions already had to pick in, right, right, and and then it's also a mixture of like. Uh, like, I always felt like Rick Spielman, when he was the GM for the Vikings, he would always focus and to the fact that uh, um, Quezzy, uh called him out in a press conference, basically, and said, like, having a bunch of six-rounders is good, but they still don't meet, match, like, a first or second rounder. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think everyone saw, like, oh, Tom Brady is, was in the sixth round, right? And then it became this thing of, like, who's going to find the next Tom Brady? It's the exception, not the rule. Right. right. <laughs> the, the thing about having a steal like that, like a guy from Chattanooga that you're high on that no one else is, is that you're high on them and no, no one, one else right, is. Right, right. right, And I think what sometimes happens with Bill is that he gets so high on somebody that he gets paranoid that someone's going to take them. Yeah. Do you know? Like, so it's like... And this, you see this happen all the time in your fantasy drafts, mm-hmm. right? Particularly if you're dealing with, sometimes it's kind of self-protection, but sometimes maybe you think that the GMs are a little bit smarter or like maybe they read the article that you read. Mm-hmm. And so this guy that you have way deep on your like sleeper list that you're trying to grab, you're like, oh, you know, maybe it's Cook, right? Mm-hmm. And on all the running backs start going and you're like, Get oh, you know. You get gotta so high on them that I've got to get them. I've got to land them. Yeah. And then you get worried that you're going you're gonna to miss them, and so you take them way too high. So, There's like a FOMO to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and so that's the problem. I think Bill's earned it to a degree, but I think he also just he gets a little too fancy with it sometimes, and I think it a little, it's a little too like, eh, I know what I'm doing. A bunch of their picks were a couple strange ones. It's just like, I... Just, yeah. The benefit, again, that he has that if they hit, we're all going to be like, of course. Yeah, no, yeah he's, he's a genius. He's a, yeah. right. And if yeah, they don't yeah, hit, yeah. you're like, hey, everyone has an off here. Yeah, yeah, hey, it happens, right? Yeah. Well, I think I think when you look at like the guys who have left there recently, like um, what's his name went to uh, Houston, uh, the assistant Jim Casario yeah. went to Houston, and a bunch of other guys have left. Joe Judge came back, by the way. Yeah, um, <laughs> fucking janitor. So yeah. you, I, 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 you start. <laughs> he's he's deflating the balls as we speak. He just walked into the like the stadium, and Bill just hands him a push broom, like yeah. do your fucking job. He's like, I'm, re- <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to get back. Bill, special teams. Like, what do you want me to do? He goes, uh, Can you can you uh, unplug the toilet over there? Like somebody somebody. We need someone to put the decals on the helmets. What's your experience <laughs> with a cooktop? <laughs> <laughs> Can you heat up a chunky soup? I want him serving water on the sidelines and Matt Jones comes over. I'm the Who is the guy um, who was the coach for the Lions, Matt Patricia, who looked like, who was the full embodiment of a homeless person? Um, are they the both there? back? Uh, Judge Matt and Matt Patricia? Yeah, Matt Patricia. Yeah, back, yeah. So, like, the, the fail sons have returned to the... So, Bill's Bill son yeah. is the defensive coordinator... 
with his mullet. He looks awesome, by the way. Uh, we, we, I don't know if you've ever heard, we had a debate on who would win in the fight, whether it be Bill Ch- Belichick's mullet son or John Gruden's son, Deuce Gruden. Definitely Deuce. If you've never Money seen on Deuce. Deuce. never seen Deuce Gruden. I've you, seen Deuce. Okay. He looks like a body that you punch at a gym. No, he looks like, have you ever seen the, the, yes. the punching dummies that yes. look like a person? I, I know that the, the Gruden emails were a shock to everybody. <laughs> But the signs were there. Yeah. And the most glaring oh. one is the oh. son dupes. <laughs> the, the lights were flashing yellow for a very long time for him. My uh, right. my high school football coach, uh, not not kidding, uh, named his sons TD and JK. Oh no. Like just the letters? Uh, or were they, they were they were full names. They were, they were full, full names. names. I can't, okay. I can't full names to save my life. But he called them TD and JK and. Uh, TD was like uh, probably like six two, a decent build kind of guy. I don't, I don't know that he had much success like in college or anything like that. But um, he's real big into crypto now. Real big into crypto, yes, <laughs> yes. It has a couple, char- a couple charges, but they're not gonna bust it. He's bought a whole new thing of Dogecoin. Still believes it's gonna go up to the moon. To the moon. <laughs> yeah. he, well, he cashed out when it hit its first rise, so he could lift his truck. Exactly. <laughs> Goals. Spent a lot of money on this Let's Go Brandon sticker on the back. He forgot to pay taxes on it, so now it was the federal government $150,000. In fairness to this guy, and I, this also was, what, 14 years ago? I'm sure he's a listener, though. I'm sure he's definitely a listener of both of our podcasts. And, uh, and I, he, was, he was the wide receiver and uh, uh, DB's coach, and I, I liked him because um, he, he, he coached my positions. But um, his other son, J.K., what do you think uh, J.K. stood for? That is actual names, but what the actual nickname stood for. Oh, God. I'm scared J-K. to think about it. Just a kicker. <laughs> wow. He was like a tall, lanky dude. Mm. And uh, and his, his every every time he'd introduce my practice, he'd say, uh, his name's J.K. because he's going to be just a kicker. Oh, shit. Yeah. He ran actually ran track at Washington State. And um, so not just a kicker. Not just a kicker. <laughs> it was pretty successful, and um, then came to teach uh, a bunch of uh, slightly overweight white kids in the middle of nowhere, Florida, uh, how to run faster four times because that was going to really help <laughs> us. So yeah, seems like it was more successful. So. Yeah, yeah. More, more, more than TV. Sometimes Cheers. kickers better. Cheers to JK. Cheers yeah. to JK. He's also a listener too. <laughs> All right, I do have to ask this question because. Q and I had this debate the other day. He is a Sauce Gardner fan. I know you're yes. a Derek Stingley fan. Yeah. Who like, will be better? I like both, by the way. No, he said he fucking hates his guts. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> he that, did the Jared Leto thing and just said like like bullets and dead mice. Oh, it's just me, the Derek Stingley hater. <laughs> <laughs> you went to LSU like a little. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, if you need to throw piss, you can throw piss in here. Okay, well, I don't wait. If he's throwing piss, I'm throwing piss. In here. <laughs> I'm going full, full monkey. Can we put a tarp down first, at least? Jesus. Uh, okay, I'm not. I'm not probably not the right guy to argue about this with because I'm. Uh, I'm too much like Switzerland and, and this kind of thing. But I would say that. Derek Singley is going to be more physical, particularly coming off the line. He's going to engage you, particularly he's playing like press man. He's going to engage you right off the line and not let you break into your route. I think a little bit better than Sauce Gardner is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Stingley's just a lockdown. Yeah. Um, but I, 
I don't know that you're gonna like. Stingley's good guy's gonna play lockdown corner. He's a uh, that's not even a good comparison. Like, like a Trey White, but Trey White's even got a little bit of flashiness to him. I just don't think he has the flashiness that Sauce Gardner does. He also, I mean, yeah. doesn't have the name Sauce Gardner. Yeah. But like, I think Sauce Gardner is gonna it's gonna be good, as it's gonna like you're not gonna worry about his side of the field. Mm too much but I think he has a little bit more of the flashiness the ability to the, the Trayvon Diggs type of flash ton of picks like yeah maybe not even a ton of, I think he'll, I think on you know per season he's going to average more I think if you look at the, the physical numbers of like yards and receptions and some of the advanced stats of like you know how many times their routes are disrupted and, and shit yeah. like that I think you're going to see Stingley excel there yeah but I think on a yearly basis like Salt Scott is going to probably have more Interceptions and more return for touchdown. So, would a good comparison be like Sauce Gardner <coughs> is going to be a? I was gonna say a like D'Angelo Hall in terms of like mm. picks and takeaways, and Derek Sting is gonna be more like a Darrell Revis, where you're not gonna get a ton of picks, but you're just they're not also throwing not throwing at him. I, I, yeah, to, yeah. to throw another LSU guy out there, I think he can be Pat Peterson. Ooh, easy, easily, yeah. Because like they're both man cover corners, right? They're both press guys, right? Uh, so they play the same type of game. I look at I look at Sauce though, and I say, like you're you're right. Cincinnati was not going against like you know top guys, right? Right. But I will say though, when he when they played Alabama, um, and he was lined up any play that he lined up on on Jameson Williams, he was sure mugging him. So to me, I, I my my interest for that is going to be to see. Yeah. Can you do that for seventeen games? It's a good question because it's a very good because uh, like the you know could the Alabama beat the Cleveland Browns? No, they couldn't because Cleveland Browns are made up of fifty-two yeah. professional athletes, yeah. and the Alabama is made up of you know a hundred amateur athletes and twenty-two professional athletes. So I think my what I what I don't know mm-hmm. um, is can he keep that physicality all year? Can he can he do that? Against Jamison Williams every week. It's one and thing. Multiple to go- Jamison Williams too. Like right on both sides. Of I, the field. I will say though, and again, I know that like because of how good he was. Although Kobe Bryant, his teammate at Cincinnati, was out of corner, very talented as well. I think he won the Jim Thorpe Award too. Um, so a lot of times they even said that they would steer away from Sauce Gardner. So is it going to be like I remember Namdi Asimov, yeah. uh, the Raiders mm-hmm. corner? He was so good in that zone scheme that they pretty much just avoided him. He goes to the Eagles, that dream team year. Yeah. And he got so annihilated. annihilated. Yeah. Now, granted, they try to play him like a press man. You can't do that. He's not, yeah. It's not his game. But, uh, so, I, I look at it and I'm like, I think Sauce Gardner might have a, 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 a tougher first year than Stingley yeah. because Stingley's just such an athlete. Although Sauce Gardner ran a 4-4 and all that. But uh, to me, the I think I worry about with Stingley is is not even really anything to do with him. It's just the injuries. You know, he had yeah. that Liz Frank injury. Those are tough to come back. Hollywood Brown had that coming out of school. Yeah. And I just I I look at year one to year two to year three, and it was a steady decline. Yeah. So I think that's the thing that worries me. But I mean, again, I I I was very complimentary about <laughs> Derek Stingley that. If he hits, he's a top five corner in the NFL within two years. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And if at 12, if for some reason uh, the football gods had shined down and Stingley and Sauce were both available to the Vikings at 12, I would have been happy either way. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been, I would have probably leaned towards Stingley, but obviously the LSU bias there, that, that means that. So 
again, I... It's, kind it, of, it's, it's kind interesting, of, though, yeah. because both of them going to... Because, like, I, you know, the Giants picked a five. I didn't think Thibodeau was going to be there. Right. Um, I was hoping Sauce Gardner was going to be. But it was going to be an interesting landing spot for him because with uh, with Bradbury, we don't know what's going to happen with him, or Dory Jackson, he was not going to be the number one corner in year one. Right. Going to the Jets, he will be. Yeah. And Stingley going to the Texans, going to be the number one corner. So right. you're going to see year one, how do these guys translate? So I think at yeah. the end of the year, we're going to have a pretty good idea. Question, though, yeah. hypothetical. Like, is... Is Stingley a good pick for the Texans, though? They have so many fucking other problems, though. Yeah, they're and Is Davis Mills going to I'm be, gonna say like, yes. I'm going to say yes, mainly because uh, they need blue-chip guys. So, yes, they need blue-chip. So, like, there was prob- there's probably two or three guys at three. This is, how, this is, in my opinion, how thin the draft was. There was two or three guys at three that were the next best guy, and then after that it was kind of like preference yeah this is a very middle management draft yeah. right right it's, it's very much like a like it's a good one like as a Vikings fan for Quezzy to come into because like he can leave that and go well there wasn't really much talent in this draft mm-hmm. or or the talent was so like was so spread out like what, what would what would you have done so there's a little bit of a cop out ability there but you need blue chip guys but I also agree that that's probably not like you got a guy, Stingley has injury concerns in history, right? And he's going to be playing a lot mm-hmm. of defense in that Texan secondary because, one, they have nobody, and two, they will be on offense. So, like, they're, they're going to be, there's a lot of three outs. They're going to be on defense a lot. And so, is that going to put a lot of wear and tear on him early? Um, to me, at that spot, if I was going blue chip guy, if I was going, like, um, not because I can't miss prospect, but if I was going to get someone to anchor my team, I would have gone like a lineman. Evan Neal. I think that's fair. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, Offensive or, or defensive, um, but I would have gone like there. Um, there wasn't a quarterback I would have taken. There wasn't a, a running back I would have taken. And again, I think wide receivers, like... They're a dime a dozen at this point. Jameson Williams, Chris Olave. Every year now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's you, you see the guys come in and you go, like, I, I came in, like, knowing how good Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were. And then, you know, the, along with them, there's five, six, seven, eight other guys that come in every year that are, like, maybe not just as good, but are... A thousand yards and six times. I mean, you talk about last year with, you know, Waddle and Chase and yeah. Devontae Smith and all of them. It's just crazy. Yeah. So, I, I, would, I would just say, like... If I'm a Texans, I need everything. But, you know, I maybe even trade out of three. Yeah. Probably and, smart move. And see if you can get two or three first-round picks, make some moves, um, versus versus having one at three. But. And that's, that's my thought in the sense of, like, that team's a fucking mess right now for a number of reasons. And if I am Derek Stingley, I already had to go through – the two years of Ed Ogeron, like, drinking himself out of a job. <laughs> Go Tigers. Um, Go Tigers. But also, too, like, <clears throat> I don't think Lovey Smith is going to be the answer in Texas. And it I felt like a very, like, forced yeah. move. Like, there is nothing in his career past the Bears that has shown me, like, this guy is going to be able to lead a team. No love for Lovey, huh? 
Like when he was with Tampa, that was a fucking nightmare. And Illinois. then he went to Illinois. Yeah. I mean, Illinois is a dumpster fire anyway. Sure. No one cares about Big Ten football when you're talking about University of Illinois Champaign Urbana. You know, brought to you by Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's nothing there that's showing like this guy has an edge that can be like a Dan Campbell to really turn around a team and at least make them competitive yeah. and. You know, when you have a guy like Stingley who's had some injuries and then had a coach who was falling apart, um, and then another coach who's probably not going to be there in two years. Are, are they? Is he set up to fail in Texas? And I would say that for anybody that they pick up, too. If, if I'm lovey, I feel like I've got to know going into that that that's a paycheck. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like. But they paychecked the guy before him, though. Why did they just hang on well, to him? Yeah, and, and that, well, not necessarily lovey, right? Like, I think... Like, that's anybody that comes in. I don't mean that as a, as a dig to Lovey. I think there's very few guys that are going to come in there and are going to, one, get the leash that's needed to rebuild that team. What's most likely going to happen is you're going to have a guy come in for the next there's gonna be the next two, three years rebuilding the roster. And then the second they feel like the roster's rebuilt, if you don't make the playoffs that year, you're out. And they're going to have someone come in. That's where I think Lovey Smith would be successful. He had, if they had waited three years and used whoever to help build that roster, GM, head coach, whatever, build a good roster, and then come in with Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith's the kind yeah. of guy that I think could have led, I don't know if he could lead the Super Bowl, but he could lead. Make him competitive, yeah. at least. He, he could make a decent roster competitive, but I don't know how much trust is he, yeah. So is he just a placeholder? They're going to fire him. Because well, that feels like, sure. that's like what Flores charged the NFL. There, were, there right? is a conspiracy like, theory about that, by the way, that... Josh McCowan was their pick, that guy that they wanted yes. to be the coach. And then after the Forest thing happened, they're like, we can't hire him. Yeah, bad know. optics. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what, they'll fire Levy Smith in two years and hire Lincoln Riley. Boom. Yeah. I, I will say, though, I'm like, I, it was David Coley was the coach yeah. last year. I'm kind of happy for him in a sense because. He was an assistant forever. He got a five year deal. He's getting every dollar of that five-year deal and then he gets to go back and go like coach with the Ravens again so like I mean he's you know he wants away from winner he, he gets like a 20 million dollar paycheck to coach the Texans for one year so yeah. like yes awesome. yeah. yeah he's got less stress with a more stable team and by the way he can buy everybody drinks now. <laughs> yeah and there's like like buying everybody's fucking Uber back <laughs> from the airport <laughs> You get an Uber, and you get an Uber. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think, though, that's just the leash that the, the leash that black coaches get in the NFL is like a thousand percent. You know, like Jim Caldwell, for example. Like, I mean, Detroit sucks have have always sucked, but Jim Caldwell was the closest that they've looked to being successful in decades. They went to the playoffs with him too, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, and uh, was it perfect? No, um, but. Not to dig on Mike Tomlin. I think Mike Tomlin's a great coach, but he also inherited a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And a team filled with stars, too. Filled, a roster. That was a team that, that, that won the came, Super Bowl, yes. and then there's like, like Two years, like, like that year, I don't, I don't remember when Bill Cowher retired, but a Super Bowl roster is yeah. who he inherited. And it's a little bit easier to maintain that Yes. when you have a Super Bowl roster. And Mike Tomlin's a good coach. And there's a lot of good black coaches, but they get put into a first-time coaching position on a crumbling Shit. franchise, yeah. and of course you're going to fail. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just, I miss the days in general when we had, you know, the good old days, make, make football great again. Um, 
Napa. Less commercials. Napa. Remove the replay. I just wish uh, there was some credence given to the fact that it takes time to build. Everybody agrees. Ownership, fans, player, everyone agrees that it takes time to build a team, but no one wants to give them the time. I thought I thought Steve Wilkes got a real raw deal. In mm-hmm. Oh, they fucked him over yeah. big time. I mean, he's a good coach, and you talk about the fact that like they gave him chosen Rosen right. for one year, and then that's when they decide like, okay, you're done. We're bringing in Cliff fucking Kingsbury, who couldn't even coach Texas Tech. And <laughs> the, the thing is, though, is like. That happened, but also their GM copped Dewey, and they're like, "He's a cool guy, though." I mean, we were having a good time to party with, you know. Yo, maybe he had one too many Tom Collins mixes at the bar, <laughs> and like, and they you know, both, were playing and they, at TPC, you know. And they both just got extensions. Yes, which is crazy to me. And they're not going to give an extension to Kyler. Yeah, or or, or um, you know, you can be gambling on a game you're not playing in. In a league, you're not playing and get suspended for a year. Yeah. But you can yeah. nearly kill a person because you're driving drunk. For a year. For a, That's the wildest thing to me is um, DeAndre Hopkins, six games, performance enhancing. Enhancing. Yeah. Enhancing yeah. drugs. Calvin Ridley. Deshaun. Injured. Yeah. Sitting at home. On FanDuel or whatever. <laughs> For like a dollar fifty. Yeah, less than a thousand dollars. Talking about a guy that makes millions of dollars and he put like that would be like me putting ten dollars in FanDuel yeah. and getting fired from my job for it. Yep. It's just yeah. so strange that the NFL is pumping so much publicity into like these relationships with these gambling companies, right. but the players can't get any part well, of it. It's all about customer they, customer they, they work and shit the, like the, that. well like People who are betting are watching sports and vice versa, right? So it's they work together very seamlessly. Yeah. And so yeah. by engaging in one platform, you're engaging in the other platform. And there's money to be made for both sides. Yeah. So why not do it? But then having the take that, you know, it's good for our fans, but it's not good for our players is bullshit. Yeah, I mean it, like, it convolutes the entire argument about like the sanctity of the game. Like, but you're literally letting everybody else do this and you're gonna let yeah. the owners do this shit too and it's just it strikes me as like this weird game that the nfl always plays where it's like follow this rule but not that one mm-hmm. and it picks its winners and losers and more often than not it's the fucking players that lose all the time because they are as Gil brant's alluded to i mean they're fucking like chattel like they are yeah. basically like People who work in a mine and when they die, they're like, all right, we'll just hire 10 more people. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Sure. Not even die. Not even die. Just not perform as well. Yeah. yeah. And You're dead I, to me now. I think, right. it's, I think it's fair to say, because I think both of you brought up the point, too, like there is such an expectation that coaches, GMs, players all be fantastic right out of the gate. Yeah. And we see that in other sports, too. Like, we watch Formula One, mm-hmm. and if you're not a phenom at 15 years old, like... Bro, you just got your driver's license. Yeah, you're out. You're out. Like, there's a guy right now who's in Formula One who's like 19 years old, and you're like, well, is he going to be around? Like, shit, man, I wasn't forming like actual thoughts outside of like (laughs) girls and booze until I was like 23. Yeah. So it's, and the NFL and the NBA is also pretty bad at this too, where they're like, their timeline of like, you have to be great is you have to be great by 18 or you're going to be, you're going to play in Europe for the rest of the Well, that's my argument with sports in general. Is when we, especially when we try to compare like decades and like players from the past to players from now. Uh, somebody sent me like the top of Liverpool, the fifty best Liverpool 
um, players of all time. Do they and, all listen to the show? Uh, all of them. They will. They will. <laughs> I'll drop the link. Um, but like in it was like the first guy was this guy. Uh, his nickname was King Kenny, and he played in like the '60s, '70s, um, and was a superstar for us, right? But you know, my opinion, y'all might think differently, is that like in that era, really before. I would say the mid to mid like like 2005 mm-hmm. pre 2005 athletes just they didn't train the same. So you could not pick up football until high school. Yeah, yeah. Right, like NASCAR drivers or Formula One drivers, like they weren't getting into carts or um, late models or whatever they're driving until they're like 15, 16. Right. You know, and now they're getting in at five. Right. They're, I know Norris got into like. Four and a half years old. Like, how the yeah. fuck are you doing well, Kyle, Kyle Busch's son is an already accomplished dirt racer, and he's six or seven. He's won, he already won, he like so he already goes out there and wins against kids sometimes twice his age on a weekly basis. He's out there beating them. I'm pretty sure we were all still shitting our pants. Yeah. Six years yeah. Old. yeah. My son literally still sleeps in a. Floor. I came home with an accident. <laughs> yeah. He's he's he's, he's going to be eight in August, and he still can't go to sleep without pissing himself. I mean, neither can I, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, how many more of these I drink? Uh, but, like, I just think, like, the the way that we've monetized sports, from betting to sports science and nutrition and all this, like... Yeah. Like, I know right now that my son will never play in the Premier League because he needed to be better than he is now when he was four. Yeah. You know, like... Like those are just, like I watched him play soccer. Very rare like, for a late bloomer situation, right. and, yeah. and so I think that what that leads to is that the highest level of athlete. There's always going to be the kind of got to be rich too. Yes, yeah. particularly in sports like racing, yeah, and things yeah. like that. Like you can, there's a couple. Everything Chris Hogan played in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one's parents are buying them a rolling machine uh, just to put in the house. <laughs> Uh, but like you have like the, the disparity between there's probably still like a 1% of athletes that are, you know, there's a tiger or a Brady or, but the, the middle of that, just like this draft, it, it's huge how, how close they all are and how yeah. similar they all are athletically. Well, like in the seventies, the best soccer player, there's probably like four soccer players in England that were really good and everybody else was shit. And so of course you look good. Yeah. Of course you scored 50 goals a season because <laughs> you were playing against like, the local plumber, right? <laughs> and like, you know, Babe Ruth would smoke yeah. like 15 cigarettes and eat like a, like a uh, couple dozen hot dogs uh, and then go out and crack like three home runs. But he was also playing against guys who were doing the same thing but just weren't as gifted as he was. Right. He was, was, he, was he like drank an entire bottle of whiskey the night before and he's just yeah. like, he, he seen double on the field. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's a really interesting point in the sense of like, even if your son, which I think McCray is incredibly talented. Thank you. Um, even if he You're was better. talented, <laughs> even if he was like that talented where it's like, oh shit, he can probably play competitively somewhere. He's not even in one of these feeder systems at Correct, this point. Yeah. Like he's not playing at like an IMG Academy where, where, cause that's the other part of it. The equation too, is you have to be able to get noticed. Right. right? Yeah, you have to go the, to like a football factory or a soccer factory. to just one basically of these academies or yeah. Prep schools that, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why you see like IMG, like, you know, half these recruits come out of IMG these days because you want to get seen by these big, like, you know, no one was coming to uh, Citrus High School in Inverness, Florida to watch me uh, fumble around on the field. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like that just wasn't happening. We, have, we actually had a guy that 
the most talented person I've ever seen or played with uh, was on our team. He was a running back. He played for Western Michigan. Um, but we'd have, there would be college scouts that would come out. Um, but I think he was like the last of a dying breed there. Like, I don't yeah. think, you know, after that, like many folks were going to be coming out to some podunk high school to see a phenom. Like, they were like, yeah. yeah. Well, there was a thing that happened in Charlotte where there was a football team that had to basically rescind all of their wins from last year because they had tried to coax students who played football from other schools to come and play there. Yeah. So there was like a level of Collusion and obstruction. Dude, I mean, <laughs> totally cool, totally legal. But it's, they also like there's some like bribery components to it as well. It's just very interesting. Like even that shit is like you've already seen it at the the college level where players are leaving schools because their boosters are not being able to provide them with a good enough NIL deal. Like the guy from Pitt who's gonna leave because. Right. Pitt doesn't have any alumni that are willing to throw enough money at them. But everybody's going to Florida because they've all collectively, all of their donors have come together collectively and said, like, Does the NIL stuff. Yeah, we're going to throw a fuck ton of money at all of these student athletes, quotations, um, <laughs> and they're just going to play here and we're just going to make. It was like they were earning like a hundred grand a year. Yeah. Yeah. We still got it. The got it. Uh, Bryce Young makes like 800 grand a year. Yeah, right. I mean, good on him because Alabama's probably making like triple that oh, or yeah, like thirty sure. x on top of that. But at the same time, it's like, been like that for years too. It has, yeah. Well, I mean, forever. I'm, I'm all I, I do think there's a we're we're gonna be in a kind of a dangerous territory. I'm all for athletes making their money because, you know, especially coming from a, a football powerhouse like LSU, like, you know, the football team would make fifteen million dollars in profit a year. Oh yeah, and yeah. profit. I think we paid the bills. It's over the top. There's yeah, fifty yeah. million, you know, and and in fairness, do you know? Like, if I say I went to LSU, why do you know LSU football? football. Yeah. Because of the football team. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, you don't know LSU because we have a prestigious master's program. <laughs> <laughs> they have a great yeah. dentistry school. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, like no one knows that shit about LSU, right? Like, maybe if you're in Louisiana, you might know, but like. You know, it's not, LSU is not a place where you're going, or even in Alabama where you're like, uh, like, uh, Duke, you go to med school at Duke, you're like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then football's a side hustle on top. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, like me moonlighting in crypto. Yes. Pretty much. Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but Joe Burrow had that famous, um, uh, it was like, it wasn't a tweet, I think he said in the press conference, or maybe he tweeted it, I think he might have tweeted it, but it was, there was a, a point where the, the library on campus was like crumbling. There's like, mm. uh, this wasn't really well taken care of. Um, and a lot of that actually has to do with like the politics in Louisiana, but they couldn't get the funding they needed to like fix these issues in the library. And at the, around the same time, they renovated the uh, locker room. Well, to so be blew it out. State of the art. Yeah. 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 Top notch. And they were like, why couldn't they get some of this money? And I'm like, well, one, you have no idea how like money works and state appropriations work and all these kind of things. But two, Joe Burrow's point was like, they made that money off of my back. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Not your back. Yeah. Right. Like, like we worked hard man. to make this $50 million. <laughs> Joe Burrow's the man. He, he listens, did. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big fan of the pod. Joe Burrow. Um, Joe Burrow. Uh, but, and, and, and I think there's a, there's a point, there's a fairness to that of like, they're not making $50 million because I went to LSU. They're making $50 million because Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson torched Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. And and the Mercedes been super or not super, but whatever they call it. 
So like, I, I'm happy for them to get theirs, but those um, those uh, those NIL collectives that they're talking about, yeah, they're all, at every every major school has them, and it's going to become a problem because. Uh, it's unregulated money spending. It's, it's unreg- we know how that goes. Right. It, it's it's not really in the quote-unquote spirit of NIL, which is like, if... I've always felt like if Johnny Menzel wanted to sign a jersey, let him sign a jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's trash, but let him sign a jersey. Uh, or if the local Ford dealership wants to buy, wants you to run around with uh, their name plastered on the back window of the truck and you drive around a brand new loaded F-250 for a year... Great. There's a there's a great ESPN doc um, called uh, it's about SMU. Uh, the Pony Access. The Pony Access. The Pony Access. It's yeah. a great one because it kind of highlights the absurdity of it all that like everyone was paying everybody, and you know you think about like guys like Eric Dickerson all that coming out they were getting like barrels of cash, cars, mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. And they really kind of targeted that one team individually, and it's like I mean at the end of the day this has probably been happening forever. Because they're new money, too. That's yeah. why they got it. That's that's what it is. They're not a perennial power. One of my favorite uh, all-time sports commentary movies is... Blue Chips. The, uh, maybe even better. The the absolute classic, Basketball. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, hell yeah. And there's a line there. Um, uh, I can't remember the exact line. I'm going to butcher it. But it's, where does Shaq make all of his money? Everyone knows Shaq made all of his money in college. Yeah, everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny because like that it's been a thing for a long time we've kind of come out from the woodwork of it but we're also proving all these like grumpy folks right that are like it's gonna ruin the the game and and to an extent it is i mean you leave you basically can leave now and with the one year ability to transfer transfer you can just say i'm not making enough here which is fine um but I would hate to coach in that because there's. It's got to be so difficult to do that. There's got. If this is going to continue to exist in this manner, and I'm not necessarily of the camp that we should limit the ability for these athletes to make money off their off their images, um, or the or the like, or even their skill set. Like I know it's name image, image likeness, but the name image likeness comes from your skill set. So like, if you're a good prospect and you want to make money off of it, I think you should be able to. But there's got to be some way to harness that. Not saying that's like it's not a contract, but like in the NFL, like you could trade somebody, but you're gonna get mm-hmm. somebody back for it. Like right now, you could just be fucked because yeah, like, you could be a Blitnikoff Award winner, and then like Pat Narduzzi is like, we got a guy who's probably gonna go to the NFL, and he's great, and now he's gonna leave because something that he as a coach or as an institution can't, can't even control. Correct. I think my only problem with that was that like I, I'm all I'm all for. Like not just like having this instant transfer, but my my, my, biggest, my biggest problem was the coaches. Yeah, I mean, no one was stopping these coaches from like. True. You know, oh, you look sure. at Lincoln Riley, right? He recruited guys to Oklahoma. Everybody went to Oklahoma because they wanted to play for Lincoln Riley. He goes to USC, yeah. and it's like, well, now what do those kids do? Like, should they have to sit there at Oklahoma to play in a system that doesn't suit them? And just you know, I think there I think there should have been fairness that like if you wanted to keep that one year like break before they can go back to another school. With the coaches too. Brian oh. Kelly, and oh, I know that shameless. he's LSU coach now, but he is the most egregious offender of that. Like when he went to, he went from Cincinnati to Notre Dame. His yeah. players said like he didn't say goodbye to us. Yeah. And then oh. that thing that he did at Notre Dame, where he held a meeting at like seven o'clock in the morning yeah. to tell everybody like, yeah, I said for years this team can win a national championship. 
now I don't want to do it here anymore. So deuces, like yeah. wow. Do you see him with the players at LSU doing like the like the yeah the glamour shot? How do you feel that? about Brian Kelly as the coach for LSU now? Yeah, I I have thoughts on all this. So um, I I do think it's shitty. I'm not necessarily defending him because he's our coach, but I the I think part of it's on the media. It's, the environment is probably pretty shitty it's, too. It's re, it's really it's difficult, I think, like to advance your career. Um, in such a, a high profile, you know, sport or, or, or public thing like that. And like people are making, not the money that he's making, but people are making a lot of money to get that scoop first. Yeah. And so like, I don't know how you keep that a secret anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, and so, so I feel, I feel a little bit bad because he expressed in a, in a press conference that he felt bad. And maybe it's just talk, right? Cause it's certainly be just talk. I'm not putting that past him. But I do think there's an extent for all coaches where uh, they don't that decision gets made, you know, and and they say you, if you take a job offer, someone's not calling your boss before you get them and telling them that you took a job offer, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get the grace of being able to go in and tell your boss or your team or whatever that hey, I'm taking a new opportunity and everyone's excited for you. He he doesn't get that opportunity because someone's making a hundred grand to drop that news first. So yeah. I, I feel bad yeah. for him in that regard. Um, I've gone back and forth. I really thought we were going to win the Lincoln Riley Sweet Six. Interesting. Would have been interesting. Uh, do you think he steered away from the SEC? Though? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he left th- Oklahoma because of that. I, I think he left Oklahoma to dodge the, the yeah. SEC. To, in fairness to him, the package that was presented to him at USC, it was absolutely insane. It's, ho- it's Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Hollywood. Like he yeah. gets a live in a multi-million dollar mansion for free. He gets the use of the team jet whenever Can't he go wants. Wrong there. Um, like he's in LA. It's like ten million a year too, right? Yeah. Well, and him being in LA is gonna like Coach O, for example, was to me this is as good as it gets. Is the best promotional yeah, endorsement you can get. Job, yeah. Coach O was the was the face and spokesperson for Raising Canes. And for me, <laughs> there's no there's no higher peak in this world <laughs> than being the spokesperson for Raising Canes. Um, but I understand that for other people. You know, uh, LA might present a better opportunity. Sure. Uh, we, the other thing we don't think about for coaches too is that they're making that contract, but they're also, you know, Nick Saban's an athlete. Like there's there's coaches that are making money from these endorsements, and LA is a hell of a place to do that. So yeah, I don't blame him for taking that, but I would argue with where USC has been and where Oklahoma has been competitively that Oklahoma is the current better program, not historically uh, as big of a name or a better name than USC, but it's currently the better program. Mm. And you're moving to the SEC, which is, I don't even think an argument, the best and biggest conference in college football. And so you are taking a better program and moving to the best conference. Like that should be, you should be able to take that offer that USC gave you, leverage it, make even more Oklahoma and say, all right, let's go into the SEC. Here's the thing. We though. absolutely raffle stopped him. Yeah. In Atlanta, in the Peach Bowl, uh, it was like sixty-six to fourteen or seventeen. It was. It was a stupid number, and so. I I don't think he wants any bit of that. Here's the thing, though, is that I can I certainly see that too, but I'm also wondering is, going to USC, which is a, it has a lot of fanfare and hype, even though a lot of the Pete Carroll days technically don't exist anymore. Really since the Pete Carroll days. Yeah. Um, But is he going to LA, not because it's USC, but also it's easier to be distracted in LA and people lose interest quicker in 
a football team where now they actually have a football team there, professional two professional football teams there, and in Norman, that's it. Like sure. that's yeah. it. And the Ford dealership and the, the Golden Corral across the street. Those are the three things that are going on right now in Norman, Oklahoma, and you know definitely different fan base. Yeah, yeah. I mean there is. I'm wondering if it's like I wonder if someone can call into the show that's that was around in LA during like the Matt Minor Reggie Bush years because I'd be interested to know that was a you know when I think of like not the best talent wise but when I think of like all time eras of college football that like that was the golden era that that golden era like you know you went from Miami to Miami LSU USC Texas UF. UF, like that, that timeline was like, yeah. so I wonder like, you know, when Reggie Bush is winning Heisman's and Matt Leinart's pushing, or Reggie Bush is pushing Matt Leinart and, and what is that environment like in LA? But I think the easier thing is he's going to get that contract and I think it would be probably easy, he's going to be easy for him to recruit. Easily. Because he's got, he's got the track record. He's yeah. produced Heisman Trophy winners. And nobody else in California can and compete. Nobody else can, can compete with them. Take the NIL stuff. So it's going to be easy for him to recruit. Be happy to be proved wrong. I don't think he has what it takes to win a national championship. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't see a Lincoln Riley coach team really ever winning a national championship. So all he has to do is really make the playoff every couple of years, and he's already light years better than what they are now. Mm-hmm. If he if he can lose one or less games a year, he can stay in LA for as long as he wants. They're never going to get rid of him. Kind of like Harbaugh in Michigan, right? Yeah. I think he hurt his NFL chances, though. I, I don't think he. I don't think people are going to consider him as much for an NFL job because he avoided the SEC. And and I, and I think because he avoided the SEC, I don't think he wants an NFL. Job. I don't either. I think yeah. That's a, yeah. Um, and and to, you know, there are guys, guys that want to just stay in college football because it's more controllable and there's like yeah. you know where all the landmines are. But with the NFL, oh, sure. I mean, really, isn't like ownership is fucking insane? Like, yeah. isn't like Pete Carroll like really like the only one? so far that has really kind of like Who's made successfully it. done it yeah, yeah. yeah. long term successfully yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like everyone when Chip Kelly came in there was a lot of excitement and it wasn't terrible it, but yeah but didn't do it it's supposed to figured them out quickly yeah I think the Pete Carroll thing was a, was a culture thing yeah and it gets made fun of sometimes I think uh, but there's certainly a culture whether you fit into the culture or not is a different thing there was a culture in Seattle and I think that helps with them attracting some players and and Schneider also banked on those picks, man. Getting Chancellor and Sherman and Earl Thomas and uh, Ross in the third round. I mean, just, you know, he nailed those picks for a long time. Right. The, um, pardon typically my, draft smart. Oh. Pardon my take. Had a, um, they were, like, making fun of draft grades. Because, like, draft grades are stupid. The year that the Seahawks drafted Russ, like, the collective draft grades, he gave them an F. <laughs> <laughs> and they drafted Jeez. Russell Wilson. And they, like, so it's just, like, it just goes to show you, like, you never know. But to, to your point about Brian Kelly... I um, to wait and see approach right now, right? It, I mean, it has to be right. Like I, I can't say anything. What I my initial thought was he felt Lincoln Riley vibes of that. Like I don't know that he can win the big thing. What I'll say to that that I've maybe just tricked myself into <laughs> wishful thinking here. Y'all can keep me grounded here. I'd love to, I'd love to to hear your opinion. But the talent is there. We had ten guys drafted this year. Hmm. And we went seven, six and seven. I don't think the talent has ever been the issue to LSU. I think it's just focus and having a coach that can and, keep them paying attention. And that's what I think Brian Kelly brings. I think Brian Kelly brings the stability that we need, and we are going to have a talent pool that he has not had before. 
it's going to be way easier for him to recruit somebody to come to LSU and Baton Rouge than it is to come to Notre Dame and South Bend, Indiana. To be fair, the, the grades component is not the same in Notre Dame and LSU. Oh, like, oh, it opens an avenue. It opens it, doors. It sure, for, for sure. For sure. I think he's going to still... I, I think we maybe we'll see a higher GPA, but most certainly, like we can, we don't have to recruit the kind of, and that I think helps. Mm-hmm. There's there's a certain point of the 2019 LSU team where the talent was just there, mm-hmm. and the team got it. And Joe, I mean, I put a lot of that on Joe Burrow. Like obviously, like I'm a huge Joe Burrow stand. Why wouldn't I be? My dog's name is Burrow, but. Like, there was a certain point where he, you could just see him put the team on his back and say, I've got this. Yeah. And that's not talent that he's ever had at Notre Dame. No. And so I think with that steadiness, that what I've seen from, from practices and from spring training and all this kind of stuff, stuff is not spring training, spring practices, is that, uh, is that consistency that we are going to do things the right way. And I think if we can get our team, I think we'll be fine. Listen, if we get a, I don't care. What do you get? I don't care. Does the Macarena on one of those three sixty things? <laughs> if we get the if we get the player, I can give a fuck. <laughs> well, Here's, the only thing I worry about with him is that like they never had a like top tier quarterback at Notre Dame. But I'm wondering maybe if that's the grades component of it. I don't know. I don't know. We we have a quarterback room that um, it's either super competitive because they all suck, or it's yeah. super competitive because <laughs> they're all good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> the, um, one, the one thing I will say about Brian Kelly is. He will not be able to talk to players at LSU the way that he talked about them and to them at Notre Dame. Sure. And I think that's a piece of LSU that is really lost on some folks is that LSU fans root for the players on the field as much as the team. Because for the most part, they're local, right? Yeah. And Ideally. Yeah. Ideally local. And Brian Kelly has not parsed words when he is associated blame with losses at Notre Dame. He's put a lot of blame on players. You won't be able to do that shit at LSU. That's true. Because they will chase him out of fucking town. Yeah. Yeah. And he will have to pack all of his shit and his, like, you know, his dockers and his, like, white New Balances, and he will have to get the fuck out of town. And I think that's what Ogeron did really well, is kind of, like, absorbed any of, like, the blame. Yeah, he was very good about taking criticism for his players and soaking it and just, like, soaking it up with Jim. But... (laughs) (laughs) Go Tigers. Go Tigers. I just felt like uh, Coach O just, like, you know, he'd he'd be focused on morning practice, and then about 11 o'clock... You just start looking for the bottle of Vaseline. Like, I just gotta oil myself up for this new <laughs> run. He was always so greasy, like, always just, like covered. He was, he literally though he um, he had a, a, a date daily with Ray Baker. Ray Baker, if you don't know who, if you know who Ray Baker is, is the sun. <laughs> so he would purposefully run at dead noon Jesus. every day. He'd run a couple miles every day at dead noon. Your thought process is that if he could become friends with Ray Baker. That he could survive anything, wow. so he would purposely make himself run in the Baton Rouge heat at noon, dead noon. And there's so many videos and photos that people post of them driving through campus, and there's Coach O just shuffling along, no t-shirt, like dark golden olive skin, oh my God. just like totally st- drip sweating. Like and, and you know, and he you know he just got out of practice. He's about to go back in for practice. It's twelve o'clock. I'm my fat ass is at Canes eating chicken, <laughs> chicken tenders, and uh, and he's making friends with Ray Baker. Wow, what he, a boss! He's he's truly an anomaly. That guy. Can you email him and get him on the show? 
Yeah, 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 he listens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan. He follows us on Instagram. We don't follow him back, though. It's kind of a corporate policy. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to hear from y'all your um, your take on the state of your mostly New York teams. Um, and I know we're in the, we talked about earlier before we got on the... On the well, I'm recording. But I know we talked about uh, the middle of the baseball season not really mattering. Yeah. Uh, the first two weeks is fun because you're like, how's the team going to be? And then you're like, okay, I'll check back well, in. See <laughs> you later. Three <laughs> months. Um, but typically we're coming out of the draft. Um, you know, we're in, uh, not really in the playoffs, <laughs> depending on what team you pull for. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, the, in the NBA, uh, in the NHL. So I'm just interested because uh, I, I don't, Follow New York sports yeah. really fully. I, I know that the Yankees suck. Um, first, first place in the AL right now, buddy. Uh, it still sucks. Big, big stand of the Yankees <laughs> over here. Um, well, for me, like a Giants fan, like I, it's nice to. I, I, I the draft itself was a little weird because there was a couple guys that I was just like, huh? Thought he'd go later. Thought he'd go later. Yeah. That were they were picking, but I'm I'm, I'm learning that. This is the first time, by the way, that the New York Giants have hired somebody outside the organization to run football operations since 1979. And that's big for them, too. 1979, they hired, um, what the fuck is his name, from, um, he's George George Young. Yeah, George Young. Yeah. The Hall of Fame general manager that they had. He was kind of, but he was also something that was pressed upon the Giants. Yes. There's a hold. It's so amazing how history repeats itself, uh, because... There was a lot of infighting amongst the Maros at that point, and they had, I think it was 18 straight losing seasons. Mind you, back back then, like New York, like mattered. So season eight of Succession, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And Pete Rozelle, the commissioner at that time, steps in and goes, "You're hiring George Young. Like, you gotta stop this." All right. So he inserts George Young. He's the GM from 1979 to 1994. Jeez. And he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, you're talking about Lawrence Taylor, Phil Sims, you know, Michael Strahan. I mean, all the linebackers yeah. that they had were Harry yeah. Carson, Carl Banks. Yeah, name them. He is the reason. He is the blueprint behind that. And ever since then, the George Young tree, which was like Ernie Acorsi and you know Jerry Reese, they are all guys that have been within the organization. Which I don't mind. If you're a winning organization, why wouldn't you want to pluck from mm-hmm. you know a guy underneath him? But it became so toxic that in 2018, they, they interviewed four people in 2018. Louis Riddick, ESPN analyst, okay? Then it was Mark Ross, who was the director of college scouting. He sucked. Kevin Abrams, G, assistant GM under the previous guy, and then became the assistant GM under Dave Gettleman, who is just one of the dumbest individuals you get. Fucking loser. I lived in North Carolina now for eight years mm-hmm. and um, I'm well versed on how much of an idiot. Right. Uh, I don't care about the Panthers <laughs> that much, but oh, lots of Panthers fans yeah. have told me uh, that is. Man, the, the way he bungled some of those situations, it's just, and then he takes Christian McCaffrey in that draft at seventh overall. He gets fired next year. Giants have the number two pick. He takes another running back. And he not only we're not trading Odell. They had we're we're trading Odell. (laughs) The Giants last year, by the way, at the end of the season because of injuries, they had to sign a couple guys. They had to keep pushing other guys' money. They had to renegotiate with the punter because they were so broke. He put them into like absolute debt. You're you're doing like Barry Vanilla. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like you're talking about just a complete buffoonery. 
And the Giants were committed. I give them credit. Their their list was impressive. They got Joe Shane, who was the assistant GM under Brandon Bean in Buffalo. Um, their assistant GM is Brandon Brown. He was a uh, director of college scouting for the Eagles. Really smart guy. So yeah. for me, I'm taking like a step back and going, okay, I maybe don't think these guys were the guys that I wanted, but like clearly they have the track record. So yeah. Yeah. I'm willing to give him four or five years before I'm going to like, I just want to see progression. That's all I want to see. I already feel like it's happening. Like, yeah, it, the, the culture seems different. Yeah. And I, I, Brian Day, I love Brian Dable. Um, you know, I know Alabama probably don't love him. <laughs> uh, but like he has. It's really just saving. That's really saving. Yeah, it's just, 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 just yeah. saving. Yeah. So I. I great saving. <laughs> for the first time in, in probably a long time since 2011, I feel actually like. Pretty good about the, the the trajectory for the Giants. So it'll be a big make or break year for Daniel Jones, though. Well, I think they realized. I, I think they looked into yeah. this draft and they were like, "There's no quarterback really out there. Might as well yeah. just let Daniel Jones play out the last year. Maybe Dable can do something with him." But I, you know, I'm not, I don't have high hopes. I mean, going to your point about the track record thing, like bringing Schoen was yeah. what he did with the Bills. Was pretty amazing. Well, I mean, so over the, uh, and their draft was solid too. And and he's left them in a good place, which means that whatever happens, he'll probably leave the Giants in a good place if he goes on anywhere else, right? I I, I just think about it this way: um, when you look at the Buffalo Bills, their first pick that they made was Josh Allen. Yeah. So you feel good, and then the first Giants pick they make is Kayvon Thibodeau. So I'm feeling like they they at least have like the later round picks. You're always trying to search for like, you know, lottery tickets essentially, or right. guys that just fit your system. Sure. Yeah. But if you can't nail those first few picks, when you were in the top ten picks, Dave Gettleman probably would have took a fucking defensive tackle at five, and then like another running back at seven, and like he would have been like, great draft for us guys. Like, so for me, doing it on a weak control. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, <That> fucking guy. <laughs> That's my favorite picture ever. Uh, so the fact that he walked away with those two, yeah, you have two picks in the top seven. Mm-hmm. You like you better fucking nail it. Right. But to get a guy like um, get, get a like guy like Thibodeau who could be a blue chip, you know, edge rusher, and then to get Evan Neal who me was like the number one tackle in the class. Yeah. I mean, and now you and have Thomas desperately and, needed and too. Evan Neal a tackle. So if 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 Daniel Jones can't get it done this year, he's never going. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Saquon returns to form? I think he's going to have a better year than he did. I don't think it's going to be the year that everyone's kind of hoping for. I think everyone's hoping for, like, Adrian Peterson what, in 2013. I just want to know what, what people expect out of Saquon. I just want someone that's so going to move the chains every so often. Like, it's not... Yeah, and I guess that's a good question. Like, what are you... Like, yeah. It, I mean, it's a little bit. AP's fault was, what, I think, a little bit more sharp. Uh, I, mean, I mean, obviously, he had the ACL injury and then came back. And dominated, and then from there, kind of petered off relatively quickly. Yeah. But you know, what are you like? What do you expect? Like, do you do you want just someone to move the chains for you, like 800, 900 yards? Something that gives you more, ch- you know, like that offense needs continuity because it was that offense last year didn't stay on the field more than three plays ever. We talked so, about man. We did QB uh, sneaks all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Jones. Yeah, fourth and, fourth and twelve. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't don't underestimate Daniel Daniel Jones at a at full sprint. 
Unless you call I'll give him this. I'll give him this. Not he. He was different than Eli in the fact that he slid feet first. Yeah. yeah so that was a that's a plus for Daniel Jones. So for me, I'm a Washington Commanders fan. Commies, as I refer to them, and they are seizing the means of mediocrity. Um, <laughs> when are they not? I, I like. Yeah. The when are they not? I like the Howell pick, though. I don't. I think the Howell pick is interesting. However, here is my issue. Here is the that, hot take. Is that I don't think Sam Howell was a good pick for this coaching team because Ron Rivera is not really an offense. He's not an offensive-minded coach, and he's not one that's been known to develop offensive players. North Son is the offensive coordinator, right? Scott Turner. Yeah, but I. North Son. I. North. I was like, who's North Son? Totally, I'm not name. totally sold what? on like the transfer of intelligence and yeah, capability from. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if anything, it just shows like. More so, like, the, the NFL hiring structure is more so just like, hey, whose fail son have you had recently on your team? Hiring yeah. screwed. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've made some interesting picks. They seem to really like to just draft anybody who, like, walked around Alabama. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's cleaning the floors at Alabama. Like, hey, you, play uh, the end? He's like, oh, you look banger. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you could. <laughs> um... I'm not as excited about the wide receiver pick. I I just I'm skeptical of guys they get from Penn State. Like yeah. I'm skeptical as, of Penn State like offensive players because sure. that's not really what they're known for. They're li- they're linebacker you like they're yeah or they'll they'll pull out a couple running backs Saquon being one of them. But I've never been fully like bought into like the skill position players that they're able to produce. Um, honestly. It's hard to be a fan and be optimistic about a season where there's just so many like questions, not just at the skill position or the players themselves. I think Carson Wentz is going to play his way right into being like a regional manager of some like low grade fast food restaurant. Um, <laughs> if you okay, what's, if you had to say what fast food restaurant would it be? Probably Culver's. Culver's. Yeah. Because he's he, it's nondescript, just he, like him. Can you put that in Northeast terms for me? Uh. Probably. That's probably like a Long John Silver's. Ooh, <laughs> like a steak shake. Oh, uh, yeah, steak shake's yeah. a little too flashy. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. We have a steak shake. Yes. Just in the airport. I don't know where steak shake <laughs> is. Where, where that's from, but it feels like a New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on t- on top of like the player component too, and Carson Wentz and all that bullshit, but like. Probably got Tim Hortons. This team, yeah. Well, that's Canadian. Um, <laughs> well, he's from like North Dakota, right? It's basically Canada. Yeah, that's true. I mean, on my map it is. <laughs> I think I will never. I don't, I don't honor the northern states as part of the These arbitrary boundaries that we make. I don't think I will ever be feeling good about. Washington's position until Dan Snyder is fully gone from the yeah. team. Because so, I, that is a dark cloud that has hung over the team for 25, 30 so do you, years. So do you think that there's enough there that's going to move the needle to get him out? If there isn't, then I, I really don't know what more you need to see from an owner to show that this is a not a good workplace. This is a team that's clearly shitty. And the thing that I think that's going to bust him more so from like the toxic work environment stuff, the cheerleaders component, but he stole from other teams. 
Yeah. Like, he didn't directly steal from them, but he did not pay them the amount of money that visiting teams were supposed to get when they come. Like, I think it's a 60-40 split. Like, if you're a home team, you make 60% of the ticket and the profits, and the, the visiting team makes 40%. He didn't give people shit. Right. And I think that's one thing we've learned about rich white people is they don't like their friends stealing from them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if anything... The owners are going to doom Dan Snyder more so than Roger Goodell being like giving him the Don Sterling treatment or the um, former Carolina Panthers owner like you can't can't you can't own here. No it's, it's, wasn't Bruce Allen like one of the people they like gave up? He was time? also on that email thread. Wow. <laughs> it's not it's not often that you see a franchise in such disrepair. Most, and this was a monster franchise. Like this was yeah, a powerhouse. Yeah. For the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, they won three Super Bowls in 10 years. Like, yeah. I never, I never asked you, what would you have named them? <laughs> uh, that was gonna be my second, my second. You know, I, I think they should have just paid the guy um, who had all of the naming rights to the other options that they had. Like, I would have been fine with Red Wolves. I think Red Tails was a little convoluted in the sense of like, I wanted the Hogs. I think hogs would have been yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. I think it's campy enough. Cartoon you, hog on the helmet. Yeah, it's it's yeah. campy enough where you can bring people back to the team and make it fun again. Yeah. I think Commanders is like. It sounds like it's, an XFL I, team. It's so forced. I would. It's yeah. like we're out of ideas. What can Google give us? <laughs> like they're reading like the articles of like, all right, what's everyone they, else saying? I think you should have stuck with the football team over. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I would have been mad at that because you have you have European like. Football programs like Liverpool or any of these other like Premier League or Champions League or La Liga. It's just Liverpool, it's, it's, it's football, just club. Liverpool football Club. Yeah. Boom. Chelsea football you know who club. the fuck it is. Like, Manchester United. Yeah. Manchester yeah. City. Yeah. I, I, no I, one's going to confuse them with a the team in Washington State. No. Like, they're fine. I think the problem. I, I liked the W too. I think it was yeah, badass. Yeah. yeah. I think what doomed them in was the uh, initial. I think most of us are probably guilty of it. The initial, like, this is so stupid of the Washington football team. But I'll say that it actually grew on me quite it a bit. Very much so. Yeah. And over the course of the year, I kept, I, and hearing that they had to that out, I was like, I kind of, I kind of think they should stick with it. Like, it, the soccer piece to it, the, um, it, it felt very old timey yeah, too. It did, and like the 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 crest was cool, and then it felt like you could do a lot of other stuff outside of the name. Like, it didn't, Box you into a name, yeah. You know, like, oh, and like uh, an identity around that specific name, right? Yeah. Like, it, there's so much more that you can do. Like, like Chelsea is Chelsea Football Club, mm-hmm. but they're like mascot is the Lions, but it's separate of that. So like, you can just talk about Chelsea, or you can include Lions. Like, you right. have some yeah. options yeah. versus having to always be the the, the, the branding possibilities were there, and honestly, like. I have not bought anything that has any Washington a football A WFT team. NFT? <laughs> Let's buy it. So we get Gary V on the phone right <laughs> Gary V's listening in. He, he, he's already got a line. He's already, Gary, tra- yeah. already trading tra- on it. Gary is circling the block. He's at Papa John's right now. He's, he's trying he's to yell at the offers. I saw, I saw three yard sales right up the road, so we know he's, we know he's in the vicinity. We're going to be talking for all of us. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though. The, I think the name, just the fact that like they had just it became Washington Football Team because they didn't have anything, they weren't trying, and that's what actually made it kind of cool. Uh, and the team was not bad yeah. when they played yeah. under the title. Like I laughed when they they came up with that name. I'm like, what a stupid name! Because they tried I'm too like, hard. They tried to like 
put something that represented where they're from, what they believe yeah. they want to be. They want to command. They're like, we're, we're doing subliminal. We're looking subliminally or too deep into this. And it just became campy and cheesy. Yeah, yeah. And, if yeah. they had, if they kept the jerseys that they have now and kept the name and all of the branding potential that came with Washington football team, I think I would be a little bit more bought in. And if somebody like... Took Dan Snyder out in handcuffs. And also not I mean, terribly, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. It might that still too. happen. It might still happen. I mean, they'll give him like the rich people treatment. They'll throw like a blazer over the handcuffs. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. Let me know why those black jerseys are fire. Yeah, they're yeah. badass. Well, uh, so the the dumpster fire piece of that is like uh, like it's, it's not that the rosters the rosters not terrible, but like the team's not performing. Yeah. Right. The ownership sucks. The name was a flop. Mm-hmm. The stadium's literally shitting on people and falling apart. Yeah, and so <laughs> and they're not able to fill the stadium either. For for a long time, a big draw, like even when Washington was not great, like in the early two thousands, they still had a wait list, a season ticket holder wait list for years, for years, and now they can't even fill the stadium. Like it's it's a big concern for them because they're. Whether you like it or not, they are one of like the foundational teams yeah. of the NFL, and it's just it goes to show like what happens when people who don't understand the sport, but also don't understand that they don't know the sport and they should stay away from it. Like James Dolan, James Dolan is a great example of that too. Where like you know this team is kind of good. How can I fuck with it? Yeah, um, yeah. and he walked know, into a golden era of Knicks basketball and just tanked. It. Yeah, how do I throw like a turd into this? Gatorade tub, but like Dan Snyder is a perfect example too. Like I, I thought RG three was a great pick for the team because it was something that was flashy and it was creative. And ultimately, like they needed something to inspire people. Mike Shanahan's kind of like has the personality of wet cardboard, so he's a fucking loser to me. <laughs> and, and then and then and then add it on like like white cardboard, and then you just pour like checks mix on top of it, <laughs> and then step around on it for right. a while. Yeah, just and that, and that was. Uh, yeah, and then like Kirk Cousins bless it in the second round. Right. <laughs> like you like that? Uh, but I mean, there's just this team doesn't have anything that inspires them, and I think they're kind of trapped too with Carson Wentz. They've invested a lot of draft picks into him. There was nobody to draft this this time around. Sam Howell, again, if it was a if it was a different coaching team, I think I'd feel different about it. But I don't see him being developed in Washington. I don't see. I, I see the team being a flop, and I see Ron Rivera getting fired at the end of this year. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I haven't watched all the all the series. I've only watched probably the first three episodes, um, and so I might be way off base here. And my history this is not great, but it seems like from what I've seen, like Jerry Buss is an example of an owner who came in and clearly needed slash wanted to make money yeah. by owning a team, but. Had a passion for the sport, yes, and felt like there's going to be a lot of money in the NBA. And I can make a lot of money in the NBA, but he thought that because he liked the sport and wanted to see it succeed, and that's where the Showtime Lakers came from, right? It was like this idea that like we can make basketball fun and flashy, mm. and we can make money doing it, versus or or even like a like a Liverpool football club. For those of you that don't know, that like Liverpool is notoriously. They have a notorious wage structure. Mm-hmm. That means they won't spend hardly shit. So we get a really good. We'll get a player. They'll become really good. And then the crazy thing that the NFL should totally do, or any sports franchise should really do, is they sell. Mm-hmm. So like in, in European soccer, they sell a player. So like 
if Odell Beckham comes in to the Giants, they sign him for his rookie contract or whatever, and he becomes the Odell Beckham that he is in the right. Giants, at the height of that, the Giants say, we're going to owe him a, a bunch of money in the next year. Or we can sell him for $100 million, just the rights for somebody else to sign him mm. to another team. So um, there's clubs like United City, Manchester United, Manchester City, City being the biggest. Manchester City is owned by a sheik, and basically it's just funded by the Saudi government. So Groundbreaking. Wow. <laughs> right. So they just funnel money in. Um, but to but the you another hundred million, yeah. right? So they will pay a hundred million dollar transfer fee, which means that they'll pay. Let's just say they pay Liverpool to sign me. This they pay Liverpool a hundred million dollars, and then they have to also sign me. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and so it's like a farm program almost. Really, and but what it does is that you can then you can then pay the players out of that. So what Liverpool has done a great job of is we're typically like there's twenty teams in the Premier League. We're typically around tenth in our net spend. So for the amount that we sign players and the amount that we then sell them for, we're only you know netting you know, 10, 15, 20, or we're only spending a net of 10, 15, 20 million dollars a year. Making so much money. Oh, they're, well, they're, making, ton, they're making yeah. tons of money in this model. And there's clubs like City who are spending five spending five hundred million dollars. Yeah. You know, over 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 a wage structure over, over, over Kings a and period. Like La Liga and stuff are just right. yeah. We're not gonna sell most of right though. Where did he want to play? Where did he say he wanted to go? Um, he he'll probably he'll probably go to a couple places. Probably uh, Barcelona. Mm. Um, well, they all go. They need somebody else to mess with. Yeah, Real Madrid. Uh, he won't he won't go to Real Madrid. Real. Um, we actually played Real Madrid in the um, Champions League final at the end of May, but in 2018 we played them in the Champions League final, and Sergio Ramos um, basically leaked Mo Salah's arm and. Pulled him down and tore his shoulder, mm-hmm. and so he missed it. We lost the match. He missed the end of it, and so when it was coming out that we there was one team. There was basically Manchester City was playing Real Madrid for a spot to play us, and they asked Mo Salah what he wanted to, who he wanted to play, and said, "I want payback." Mm-hmm. Nope. So uh, I don't think he'll ever go to. Well, if the money's right, but I think he wants to stay. <laughs> Everyone's got a price, right? right. Yeah. But <laughs> the problem is we have not nice. historically been willing to spend that money, and so the question around is. It's clear that our wage structure has worked for us right. for a really long time. Do you just implode that because we 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 love Mo Salah or whatever? Where in the past we've also loved players and sold them, and then have gotten a new like. There's so many good players like Luis Suarez and Phil Coutinho yeah. and Raheem Sterling. These are big players, and we sold for a lot of money to buy Mo Salah yeah. and Sadio Mane. And so, do we do that again? Uh, it's really hard. We've never had the best player in the world. We've always had a really good player that's like, we could sell him and make money, and we might not get exactly as good as him, but we'll get somebody close enough. We're, and we also weren't really winning. Yeah. We're now one of the best teams in the world. We have the best player in the world, yeah. and now we have to make a decision. Do we sign the best player back to the best team, or do we let the best player walk? And if we do, how do we fill that to stay the best team? And it's kind of, it's funny because he's, he's almost 30 at this point, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's a question of like, do you try and find the next Mosa while or do you just go in with a guy like that? But I mean, if your window's big enough at this point, right. 
it, it may it may pay to break you know the traditional structure. My my understanding of the contract talks. Um, I don't. I'm not sure how many Second Mouse uh, listeners here are um, are super big and they're and, avid avid it's English Premier League fans. Big time. Um, we have a couple fans from Russia too. So okay, definitely. Okay. In. We have we have a listener in Germany. Wow, I, nice. I don't. I don't uh, know anybody in Germany. <laughs> uh, we have a listener in Germany, so the chat. Fan of Bundesliga. He's try, he, Bundesliga. He's, try, yeah. <laughs> he's trying to get those fantasy, uh, you know, sleepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen, he's, he's asleep when our when our podcast drops. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's agreed. What we've understood is agreed in principle to a deal that would pay him roughly what he wants, um, more than what. We typically, I think, we're comfortable with, but he hadn't signed it, and he there's an interview where he said there's more things than just money, and what it really came down to was that he wanted us to sign back our our, our coach Jurgen Klopp, um, and so we just re-signed Jurgen Klopp to a multi-year um, coaching deal, and so that that's pretty wild actually, that that becomes the the piece on the board, right? Yeah, and, and so, so I think contract. I think for him it's so Jurgen Klopp had uh, was had signed his initial contract through 2020 or through 2020. Signed a four-year extension. And so at the end of the four-year extension, he was going to take a, a year off. And it's not what he wanted to do. Doom and gloom for us, because we're like, you, we've been so good. Like, yeah, we can't yeah. lose you now. It's yeah. over. And so it's been a hard stop for us uh, on that 2024. Well, he just signed an extension. He basically, like he said, he sat down for dinner with his wife. And I was like, I don't really see us leaving in two years. And he's like, okay. And so he went back and... <laughs> Uh, advocated for raises for all of the staff and said, I'll, I will sign on the exact, I don't need to make more money. I'm fine with what I'm making. Just extend me for the same amount per year, but use the extra money to pay my supporting great. staff yeah, that's great. more. He's um, a rock star. Which just, of course, endears him to the Liverpool supporters yeah. more because we already love him. Uh, that's a great guy move. Right. It's a great bro it's, move. It's yeah. Like, it's You're like, a good dude. That's good you know, shit. You know, and so that, so that, Obviously, also makes it seem like, oh, no wonder they uh, Mo's like, I'll come back if Klopp comes back. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's team oriented or organization oriented. He's oh, yeah, yeah he, yeah. he gives a shit about the people around him, and that's a big part, man. Right, you know. well, you, you you always want um, that that that's the enigma around Coach O, right? Yeah. Was like a man of the people. Like, yeah, yeah. he's a Bayou boy, born and bred. He understands. He gets us. He understands us, and we're having success. So you can do whatever you want if you're having success. You know what I mean. Things are progressing here. Things are. <laughs> things are. It's got out of hand fast. <laughs> <laughs> this is all we have left. So. <laughs> you you seem so confident when I talked to you yesterday about the amount of alcohol you had in this house. I mean, well, before, I was, we, before I was. we got the bar, we crushed a 12 or 9 Yeah, we drank drinks, 9 so. Vizzies um, in we got busy with like the Vizzies. 45 minutes. So. While wearing a Friday beer shirt. And a visor. And a visor. And a visor. Okay. <laughs> um, also, did you see the... Um, the Well, I know he's your favorite driver, so of course you probably followed up on him pretty quickly. But Danny Rick with his Ace Ventura helmet... I don't like him, but that is funny as shit. Yeah. Did you see the video of him doing all the impressions of it? I did not see that, no. Oh, well, right there's, a, there's a video of Daniel Ricardo, um, as an F1 driver. Uh, he, they're in Miami, uh, for context to the listeners here. Uh, Jeff Bezos, I know you're on this. Um, 
Maybe you might want to buy the Dolphins. They're struggling. <laughs> um, but you can uh, buy the Washington Commanders football team. Just please stay away from the Vikings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Daniel Carter's an F1 driver. He has a um, Ace Ventura pet detective themed helmet, and there's a video of him uh, holding the helmet and doing a bunch of one-liners, like him one man showing. The movie, it's so funny. On the helmet, it says laces out, too, yes. which I think is effective. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, chef's kiss. It's actually done. And Lando Norris uh, is He's got the basketball, basketball helmet, too. Basketball, yeah, yeah. So he's wearing a I helmet. I saw that before. Yeah, he's wearing a helmet that actually, I think, has the rubber lining of what a basketball would and has the dimples to it as well. Oh, <laughs> okay. So pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Oh, George is out. Nice knowing you. Um, <laughs> Guys, any other thoughts? Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Um, I know that we've dragooned you into service here, but do you have an asshole of the week? Do you want to kick us off? We didn't talk about it this go around, but I imagine that we'll get to it at some point. But the um, the Supreme Court um, document that came out, the 98-page document mm -hmm. that essentially overturned Roe versus Wade and the... The perspectives that both Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas and Amy Coney Barrett and um, Drunky McDrunkface, whatever the fuck his name is. That um, guy. Yeah. I like beer. Yeah. I drank um, beer. Hanging out with like his beer. Boy, hanging out with his boy Slurpee, whatever the fuck his name is. Slurpee. But like the I'm not I'm not gonna go here yet, but like the arguments that they made about why Roe should be like struck from as uh, a Supreme Court ruling is a lot of the arguments they made were like the shit you find on Facebook comment pages. Like mm -hmm. a lot of it is like speculation and rumor and things that have just filtered around the internet. And they're basing a lot of their conclusions off of stuff that actually is not really based in fact. Um, I think their assumptions that they've made about like how likely women are to get abortions and how flippant it is is also really insensitive to women who've actually gone through some pretty significant struggles. And mm -hmm. I think it's important to recognize that there are a lot of women who are not doing this out of like, hey, I'm gonna go get an abortion today, but they've really struggled with this decision and they might be in a place where they're not in the best circumstance of their life. And again, I just find it really interesting, really goddamn interesting that the the small government party and those who are aligned with it tend to lean heavily on big government, um, particularly when it comes to women's issues, when in most cases, they're not women that are making that choice. And, you know, if we're all about, like, personal privacy and shit like that, we should also respect people's wishes as well. And I'm not necessarily saying, like, you should be able to get an abortion, like, like 36 weeks into a term, but ultimately, like... I think, I think most of the times, though, it's, like, medical... It's, it's medically related, like, it's the risk of the mother losing her life. Like, I, I think we need to be mindful that a lot of these decisions are not made out of haste, again. Yeah. Like, they're made out of, like, medical decisions that doctors are having to say, like, who do I need to save right now? And... It's, it's very sad, and it, it feels very retrograde that this country is just relitigating shit that was figured out 50 years ago, and it just opens more doorways to other problems as well, and I, I feel for many of the women out there who feel kind of just, this government is not really representing them. Clarence Thomas had some odd 
uh, comments on it. That he, I'm not shocked. By the way, his wife, for those who don't remember, was also at the January 6th um, yeah, insurrection. Was, so. Just keeping that fresh Jeannie. in your head. Yeah, Jeannie, Jeannie with yeah, two ends. Um, so he, he, he basically said that like a leak... You know, the negative, obviously there's a huge negative outcome of the leak and all that. And Shocking, that. really. Right. Yeah. And he said that it should <laughs> Unpopular not... Unpopular opinion? Who yeah, would have thought? He, he said a leak should not stop what is the preferred outcome, which I thought was kind of a weird phrasing because preferred outcome sounds like you're talking about, like, what people want rather than litigating what the law is. It sounds right? like you had goals. Well, yes. yeah. There was it, intent. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like he's talking about, like, oh, the people want it, which, by the way, his, you know, if you search any poll, it's no, not over 30% in any state that, that don't support it. So it, it's not popular what they're doing, but even so, that like that's not the job of the Supreme Court to do what's popular it's, or, or, or do what your party wants. It's to do what you believe is the law. And yeah. if Roe v. Wade has been in the law of the land for the last 50 years, it's been reaffirmed many times, Kavanaugh himself, in his hearing, said that Neil Gorsuch said it too. Yeah, that it's law of the land, and I don't, I don't, I would not vote against it. And then all of a sudden, to just vote against it, it just, it just seems to be almost a form of perjury, right? Yeah, because they, they did yeah. it. Are they under oath? I, I mean, that? What, so, yeah. you throw yeah. that hand up, like yeah, you're telling, you're saying the honest truth, or are you going back? It's just a bit, yeah. which I will give them a little bit of a leeway here that you are allowed to make a change your opinion. Right, and so that's, and, and that's you fair. can read something and you can decide again that maybe there's different. Fa- you've reevaluated the facts and you've changed your mind, and I will give them that grace. Sure, but I still hate their decision, and I think a lot of people fucking do. Um, I I always worry like when we talk about these, we debate the this this issue, we start talking about like the medical reasons or the virtues of that. And I'm like, no, let's just stop it right there at the choice. It's, it's a, a yes choice. No. It's a choice that they should have, like women should have. I mean, I hate that we're taking that liberty away from, especially specifically that I hate the term pro-life in the yeah. term that you're Such a more than, term. it's contradictory in the fact that people that tend to be pro-life are also for like stricter death penalty and they don't want universal health care. So you're really just anti-abortion. And I feel like we put a lot of... We, we add a lot of garbage to make this a nicer topic to talk about. It's not a nice topic to talk yeah, about. It's, it's a um, heavy discussion. And it, it is. And, um, and there's a lot of people that aren't making that easier. And that... I'm going to piggyback off of your pick of uh, Asshole of the Week. Um... With uh, an individual, Garrett Saldano, um, he's a candidate for governor in Michigan, and oh, he was quoted saying, "We must inspire women who have been raped to understand how heroic they are in giving birth and see that God put them in this moment. They don't know that baby inside them may be the next president." See, this is what happens when you like huff the gas that's in a light bulb that you recently broke. Okay, I I think uh, maybe two weeks ago you all talked about this. Um, You talked about the the blurred lines between uh, television, especially like like the living in the like connected world like Harry Potter and and the MCU, and Mm -hmm. and I think you specifically mentioned or someone mentioned Handmaid's Tale. And I hate to make this this connection, but I I feel like um, hate Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's funny. Wait until I come up. It'll, that'll be related as well. Well, it's just 
you, I think maybe you made the point in that argument. Um, I'm gonna roughly get this wrong, but basically the idea that like we are, um, we are relating pop culture to real world instead of creating pop culture out of the real world. But I think that The Handmaid's Tale is an example of something that just rings too true and a little bit mm -hmm. too on the nose. Yeah. I don't know that tomorrow we're going to be this, you know, dystopian future, right? But there's we're getting closer. There's some, there's some <laughs> ideology there that's hard to pass up. Yeah. I don't I don't I'm not making the jump to that we are in The Handmaid's Tale, but this ideology of like we one of the the very first things I think of when I think of the Constitution and why this country was formed was separation of church and state. Yeah. yeah. The, yes. the, the found, I feel like one of the foundational bedrocks of this country was the idea that you could come to a place where you could worship who or what or nothing yeah. Yeah. without fear of that impacting you as an individual, your choices or, or, or whatever. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> I don't know if you hear me. Uh, <laughs> but, but that... You know that so we've heard it a lot right and, and it's gotten louder and louder and louder and particularly i come from a really conservative area of of, of florida surprise um and then we live in a fairly conservative you know charlotte metro um the, the city of charlotte is very blue yeah um the counties around the it counties around it are very red Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that I've it's we're in um, an election cycle right now. I think election day is on Tuesday or or the next Tuesday, and I don't know that I've seen a Democratic sign around. Nope. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I get the uh, mailers in my mailbox, and the list of things that they have highlighted bold that they're proud of are things that I would never vote for a candidate based on that opinion, and it, it's tough. Because a lot of that centers around religion and inputting somebody's religious faith over what the policies of the land should be. And they're the same folks, like you said, that trot out this, we're the party of free speech, of freedom, don't tread, like the don't tread on me flags are flying right next to the Trump Pence flags. Yeah. And it, the irony is so raw and visceral for me, and it's just completely lost on that group of like, you're going to fly this don't tread on me flag and then literally tread on someone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that, that's the difficulty that I, not the, I struggle with the most, but one of the things that I really struggle with is, you know, the, the backside of that is that, like you said, all these social programs afterwards that could help if, we, if we're going to outlaw abortion, then there's a list of things that we need to do if we really are pro-life to yeah. say, here's how we're going to protect Children, families, um, like we have an outrageous homeless population, outrageous food insecurity. You know, Elon can yeah. solve that. <laughs> Titter is the future. Yeah, and Titter is the future. I think it's like, is it scripture or is it script? Right? right Are you right. just saying this for the the act right now? You know, because essentially, what I really think it all boils down to is truly gaining power and maintaining yeah, power, absolutely. and I think that. A lot of the right are separate interest groups that collectively come together to create yeah. a, a, a power. And they got to grab from this piece and that piece. And they run these scripts. And they don't... It's just... To well, get most organized movement has always been about power. 
Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's, uh, a, I won't say a scholar, loosely a scholar out there that I don't I think there's a book or something that it basically talks about the fact that like Jesus was a real person, but the idea of Christianity was created to keep the Romans in line. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it wasn't an actual, Jesus wasn't an actual, uh, deity or, or messenger of God. It was, was a some, teacher. Yeah, it was it was it was a team. It was like I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure Thomas Jefferson had a Bible that had it was it had all of the miracles of Jesus removed, mm. and it was just the teachings of Jesus, and then the folks that came after him. Yeah. And if you think about it that way, like also if you scrub away a lot of the shit that was written in after the fact in the Dark Ages, that basically is where the most repressive components. There's a, there's entire yeah. libraries in the Vatican with stuff that but they was removed show you that from shit, the Bible. Though, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, I think that all religion not to get too far into the travel, but I think all religion exists to serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. And if we're gonna truly if we're gonna truly be a separation of church and state, we have to be able to you know, the fact that it's not lost on me, the fact that, like, coming from Louisiana, you know, they, they're like, well, what's privilege look like? Well, you're a bunch of white kids, right? Well, that looks like the fact that you live in a mostly Catholic state, so you get Fat Tuesday off, and you get the morning of Ash Wednesday off to go get an ash wiped on your yeah. on your forehead, when that doesn't happen anywhere else in the country. It's true. Yeah. You know, and, and Christmas is a national holiday. Yeah. And it's not, that that's a, you know, Christmas... I think these things that the Bible exists in great ways to guide, to help guide a society to being decent people to each other. But I think it's, I think that's how it was used in the past and we've, we kind of wrapped our own stuff into it. Well, that's the thing. It was like, it was maybe the best thing that we had at the time to explain Yeah. To, to give people a reason to, be nice to each other, to not kill each other, right? You know, keep yeah. civility yeah. in order. And I totally get that. And I think that for... When there's instable governments, you need something like that. Yes. And, and the idea of faith and the concept that we've construed around faith, there's a, there's a lot of good to that too. It, there's positive, optimistic things in thinking like, yeah, you know, maybe times are down now, but God has a plan or we can survive. Yeah. That upliftingness, yeah, I, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But it's when... You dictate everybody else's decisions based on your interpretation of a book that was meant to be a guideline of the best at that time to being what essentially is replacing the constitution of the government, of of the United States. Yeah. That's when it becomes insane. Because we we are not a, we're not Iran. People would scoff at the idea of being Iran, but that's what we're heading towards. Yeah. The more we... Play this game. This pra- we indulge in this practice. We well, talk a lot about Sharia law, right? Like I don't want Sharia law in my country. Like, I don't want Christian law in my country. Well, exactly. yeah, right. and it's interesting too. I remember was it 2008 or 2012 when Michelle Bachman ran? Um, it was 2008. I, I think it was 2008, and she said that God spoke to her in a dream and told her to run for president. That was like, how convenient God talks for to you me every night. He but says it, you're right about this. But at the same time, though, like how concerning would it be if? God is dictating things to you when in reality you probably have some serious like social personality disorder where you're like hearing voices and shit like what um, did God sound like Moses that? might have been crazy he was wandering around for 40 years in the desert you listening to bushes that were on I mean I've been to Publix too Come it's a on. big fucking place but <laughs> Jesus Christ I find the exit after a while yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Not before getting a pub sub. Yeah, I mean, oh. I need to stop and have a nap. And you know. yeah. <laughs> I wish I could say that I'm going to deviate from this topic, but I'm not. Hey, um, it's a big topic, man. So if you guys don't know who Jack Posobiec is, oh that fuck, aka face. known as Bumble Jack, um, <laughs> Bumble Jack, former naval intelligence officer. Yeah, he, uh, he's now a conservative commentator and pundit. I think he works for Infowars as well. Alex Jones. He's a big fan of Stu Peters, too, I'm he, assuming. He, uh, in light of uh, everything that's been going on, he recently posted, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, whenever an election's going on, they have those maps where they kind of fill in the blue for Democrats. It's a state map. I have never. Yeah. <laughs> so he posted one with, with the states that, the 22 states that have already kind of put uh, anti-choice legislation forward, a picture of the Handmaid's Tale and with the word soon. Wow. So if anybody wants to see it. Jesus God. So no, you were on the nose, by the way. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed, by the way. Yeah, no. I, I mean, did God talk to you on the yes, way here? God told you to tell. Why did he say give you more busy? Are you there now? <laughs> Philly. So, so it goes to show you that it, it literally. I, and again, he's probably going to later say oh, that was a joke, and I don't know what the joke is. This is the left trying to yeah. cancel me, right? Yeah, joke right. Moves. And uh, it, it just goes to show that they're they're literally this literally is about what we've been talking about. Literally just exerting your power over somebody. I've also said that there's more capitalist men, uh, means to it that they look at the declining birth rates in this country and they're basically saying we need more, we need more military people, we need more, you know, we need more workers and all that. So Sorry. I'm destroying Tom's home this week, by the way. Yeah. For the record, for those not here, Anthony decided to. Gatto decided to tear the railing off my basement um, stairwell and he said, cry more lib. And then he sent me like $17 in Ethereum and I don't know what to do with and then that. He, but then he gave me a bottle of uh, venom water with uh, Cobra. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. I'm pretty sure it's his own piss from the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Cobra Venom. <laughs> So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, again, not to talk too much on it because we've already talked a lot about it, but, yeah, uh, I think it's, I think it goes to show that this is not about states' rights at this point. It's clearly about power. It's very yeah. much a quiet parts loudly kind of thing very right now. So. Yeah. 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 Um, Anybody want to start with their pick? Uh, I have an asshole. Uh, oh. Yeah. It's also the same. You remind me of what I wanted to say. It's also the same uh, topic area. Um, no surprise, Matt Gates. Oh, uh, and, and this is a. Matt by the way, Gates. big fan of the pod. Yeah, 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 big yeah, fan yeah. of the pod. He's coming um, on next week. But Matt, not, if you're there, the, huge fan, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and also, double fuck him because he uh, represents um, Pensacola, which is where I, I went to school. And so that. Uh, Wings of gold, baby. Love it. I uh, love it. So um, he tweeted about Roe v. Wade. How many of the women rallying against overturning Roe are overeducated, underloved millennials who sadly return from protest to a lonely microwave dinner with their cats and no bumble matches? Jesus. Sir, that is an excellent asshole of the week. Yeah, cheers I will to raise that a glass asshole. to that. By the way, I have two cats. <laughs> uh, that coming from the guy who traffics women uh, over state lines because he can't get laid normally. Um, yeah, I felt like he was. And he doesn't was he have like projecting a, a little bit? About that, that, was, that was a little bit of projection of like. It's a little uh, too on the nose there, yeah. man. <laughs> a little too much of like, uh, you won't have sex with me, so I'm gonna insult you. I just. Um, doesn't he have like some like 19 year old kid living in his house? Yeah, there's some guy like uh, ne- uh, 
Ernesto. None of that is strange, by the way, right? None of that is strange. But my favorite... Um, yeah. my, Nothing there raises a flag. My favorite quote tweet, um, at least for today, for it uh, was uh, from at the USA Singers. Uh, big, big fans of the pod, shout out. The at the USA Singers. <laughs> Uh, they said, uh, there's nothing that terrifies drunken pedophile sex trafficking coke orgy enthusiast trader dunce Matt Gates more than overeducated women. There you go. Um, and I could sum that up uh, as best I could. That would be it. I just, That's right. um, I, I struggle now um, with, I think we're at a point in our country, we're at a tipping point where I, I don't think there's really any going back. And that scares me to an extent because I, there used to be a time where you could have differences of opinion about your political leanings, um, and maybe have some decent debate about it, or or you maybe agree to disagree. Um, but I feel like we have stepped into this, um, particularly, uh, and the liberal media and, and and liberals aren't exempt from this um, either. But particularly, there are folks that exist solely on the I think on the right to. Uh, I, I the the own you uh, gotcha uh, do it do it for the gram do it for the Twitter um, do it for the owning the libs um, has just gotten to a point where um, it's killing this country it's, yeah. it's it's really killing this country and it's it's making me as best as I try to stay neutral um, get to a point where I have a hard time respecting anybody who can vote for the conservative part anybody in the conservative party because at this point. No one has distanced themselves. Right. Uh, about the only person is Rick Perry. Rick Perry. Rick Perry. Oh the, God, that the, 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 the him like an awkwardly just munching on a the, the energy guy. You got Mitt Romney, who was once, you know, a, a stop. I mean, the opposition in a presidential election to the Democrats, and is now like one of the only people yeah. who's been able to say. This is crazy. Yeah. This is so far beyond what we should be doing, and it feels like there's not even a reason to reach over the aisle anymore. Yeah. Because obviously I'm a little bit biased, uh, a bit more liberal leaning, if you can't tell, but I feel like there's 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 never gonna be that ability, and even the left is skewing more right. Like the we have a majority in Congress. And tomorrow we could pass laws codifying Roe v. Wade. Yep. That would, They're not going to do it. Though. That would end this, and we we finally like the the, the message has always been get out and vote, get out and vote, get out and vote. Well, we got out and vote, and we owned the House, the Senate, and White the, House. the White House, and there's still not going to be anything passed. It just feels like there's not really a point to it anymore, and yeah, I just yeah. I just want to die. It's frustrating, so, really frustrating. And I, I've been I've been I've been saying that uh, you know I said that before to Gatto was that like Biden is really failing the moment because yeah. he's yeah. not whipping his party into, into shape because you're right. All they talked about was go out and vote, go out and vote. Well, yeah, we did. We we accomplished it, right? And listen, I understand there are limitations. You didn't fucking vote hard enough. I know, seriously. <laughs> Voter died. You, just, um, that, that wasn't the vote. It's right. this upcoming it's, vote. But, but it's like I know, I know you're limited by Manchester yeah. Anima because they're 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 very conservative Democrats. They're not going to vote for you in line with stuff. But if you don't go out there and criticize him, strip Joe Manchin of all his committees, go out there and tell him if you don't like. Both of, you know, get at least, at least people will let's, know what your party stands right, for. Exactly. And, and this is an actually this is a moment when um, the left can take 
um, a leaf out of the rights book because um, when Liz Cheney had come out against the January 6th insurrection, mm -hmm. they censured her for it. Yes. Yeah. They, they literally were like, you're not part of us anymore. Like, ousted. The, the left can't do that because... They they, they believe they're taking this. They like pretend that, that they have this higher ground, this higher moral ground from which to fight their battles. Well, what's gonna happen like, in no. three years? In three years, you're you're not gonna have that moral ground. You're not gonna you're not gonna be able to to do what you can do now. And to your point, like at some point, the left, the Democrats in power, have to say, "Here's what we stand for." Yep. And let's just go for it. And if it works for us, great. But it can't be any worse than what we say. The, 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 I don't necessarily disagree that the, there's a right-wing boogeyman that's lurking in the shadows waiting for 2024. Uncle Donnie. <laughs> Uncle Donnie. This boogeyman's across both yeah. sides. Of Everyone's sure. using a boogeyman well, here and a boogeyman there. No one, everyone's picking everybody else's boogers. Yeah. <laughs> so many boogies. And for my son, you're eating them. Um, <laughs> they are delicious. They are. And full of protein. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah you, can't, you can't call a boogeyman argument and then... And then be the only one in power. Right. Yeah. It's just not, it's not how it works. I, I will say, though, like, Dan Carlin wrote a book a couple years ago. It's called The End is Always Near. So it thinks about, it discusses, like, our approach to looking at what's currently happening is basically the downfall of society and how, in reality, it's not. Like, things continue to, like, march on. This is the first time in my lifetime where this country is really in a place that's truly split. Like, and you would... And the U.S. was very much like this pre-World War II where there was the Roosevelt Democrats and the conservative Republicans that did not want to spend any money on public works projects. And Roosevelt was like, doesn't matter. We're pouring a fuck ton of money into everything we can do to just put people to work. Yeah. And ultimately what united the country was a global conflict. Unfortunate to the fact, right? But at the same time, everyone knew who the enemy was. And we as a collective needed to defeat said enemy. And we needed to unite with other countries around the world to do that. We missed our shot now to do that. Because our global enemy was COVID. And that was an opportunity for both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, left, right, center, everybody to come together and figure something out collectively and then come out of it. Work like, as, a, as a group. As working united. as a group. Yeah, yeah. We missed that chance because of whether Twitter is the way that people... Too many individuals had too much to gain from it. Exactly. And I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. No, no, no. That's no, how I feel you're, about you're it. You're not wrong, though. No, you're no. not wrong. And you said something probably a little bit more eloquently than I could have in the sense that... That's rare, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Range of three to five years, I'm pretty um, But we missed that shot to have that opportunity to bridge the gap in this country and really understand and define what the American experience is going to be moving into the 21st century and, yeah. and into the 22nd century, because we're not terribly far away from it now in grand scheme of things. It's, We've missed that shot. And yeah. exactly. Yeah. Speak on it, Louis. <laughs> Charge! Let them know. <laughs> um, but, you know, I... To, to your point, like things feel grim right now because they are in fact very fucking grim. Like yeah. this country used to legislate to be moving yeah. forward. Yeah, We're legislating shit that happened fifty fucking years ago. By the Why way, are we doing this again? Roe v. Wade introduced by a conservative justice back then. By the way, they also all voted for it well, too. I mean, it was an eight. Yeah. To, it was a seven to two decision. Yep. The the world conflict. You know, like 
there's a, you know, there's a, like the good old nostalgia of like, I wish we could go back to the days after 9-11 when everyone was united. And I'm like, yeah, and my dad was shouting insults at the Indian guy that owned the gas station near our house. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great time in our country. Yeah. yeah. And, and really, we had our second shot. If it wasn't COVID, I, I could at least understand COVID causing a fracture based on the idea of like disrupting like World War II disrupted soldiers' lives mm-hmm. and maybe disrupted some other stuff, but it, no one had to stay home and avoid people. Like it was a difference, I think, that I could understand the split there of why half the country went, trust scientists, and the other half the country said, I spent four hours on YouTube this morning. I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the telling the tell to me is Ukraine. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty easy thing for us all to say, it fucking sucks that Russia's invading Ukraine and they are in the wrong. And there's still some way to, to flip this to say, uh, Uncle Donnie was really tough on Putin, but maybe Putin was right. The, that's the tough thing is that we spent, you know, four years hearing about how great uh, and how much he kept him in line. And then it was like, well, Biden can keep Putin in line. And that actually doesn't even matter because Putin is right. He should have invaded. Maybe he was just giving Putin all he wanted it all yeah. along. So right. I mean, there's no reason for him to do anything. When, Correct. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah, like Tom said, it's, it's, it's grim. I, I, I usually try and paint an optimist picture on it, and I, I don't really have anything. Because, you! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because, I mean, like, you know, you feel as though that, like, the, the good ideas ultimately went out in the end, right? And, like, institutions hold, but it's it seems as though that they, they're not focused on that anymore. They want they they realize that like elections are because I mean let's be real once the last the only time in the last I don't know twenty years a Republican president has won by the popular vote in this country was two thousand four and let's be real two thousand four was a scary time because it's post nine eleven you don't want to switch right you don't want to switch powers in the middle of a war so people ultimately sided with Bush but like. The man shouldn't have been president in the first place because he lost. Yeah. And I mean, even Trump in 2016, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for, I don't know, 80,000 people combined in states of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, he's not winning. Now, look, I'm not the biggest Hillary Clinton fan. Wasn't a fan of hers at all. But at the same time, it's like, I, I, I just don't understand where we are now that, like, because it's going to be Biden versus Trump again. I have a yeah, really... Yeah, it's going to be the retirement home fighting each other. Yeah. I got a really hard take, and you guys can tell me if I'm very wrong. Go for it. But well, I think the biggest... Here. One of the... Only, stool, the only soft stool. Most tragic... Yeah. <laughs> God damn. I'm like, we're right in the middle of like a really, really deep conversation here, Tom. You can edit Thank that you. Out. You can edit that <laughs> Now, Now we're talking about stool and firmness of the stool. Soft. <laughs> Very yeah. soft. Very soft. Too soft. It's like a most Snickers with the vein. <laughs> yeah, baby, he lives. <laughs> In Uncle Donnie's world, there was always a vein. Don't trust me. There's no the problem vein. with the vein. It was the strongest vein. Like, JD, no JD, you handsome, JD, you handsome man, can you give me that Snickers over there? <laughs> Snickers and remove the vein. Very weak. Look very weak. That's a low energy vein. <laughs> <laughs> the Snickers minis. Never you're, liked you're, them. Like, like the vein is not a problem. Only by the king's house? Only by the king's house. 
Because believe me, there isn't a problem there. Yes, there's, there's no problem. You should see how small the king's head looks in these ginormous hands. <laughs> Melania is just at the mobile station. Motherfucker. She's like, what, what do I have to paint on my coat now? <laughs> awkward dance. With him, by the way, there was like, them like doing a really awkward slow dance. It's like, I always love when Melania has to be like intimate with him. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And you can tell it just creeps her out to no end. It's the same yes. way that you're intimate. Her skin with, crawls like, every time he yes. touches yeah, her. Yeah, it's the same way that you're intimate with like picking up a fucking snake. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, just take a photo, please, real quick. <laughs> Gato, you had a thought dude, before he interrupted yes. you, and we oh, went down oh, the stool the heart tape, there. Oh, it was, at, it, I, I mean, I feel like I don't even want to the go with constipation tape. Okay, yeah. That yeah, this, this, a, might, that this might make your asshole pucker, I, honestly. It, yeah. it might be a very unpopular take. But I think there was this moment that really charted this course that we're on now. And that was the minute that Hillary Clinton publicly called Trump supporters deplorable. Yes. Yeah. Because to them, she marginalized them. And it's been and eight since years then, of trying to figure that out. And since then, that group that felt marginalized in that moment has now gone after all the marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. Well, the, 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 that, that's the connection there, right? That's the piece, is that that group felt marginalized but didn't want to say it. They felt like... And, Maybe another hot take is that I think I think that the the laws that we passed uh, that have advanced things for my for minority groups like particularly like gay, gay marriage and things like that have been needed and necessary and should have happened a long time ago. But it was too much for the clutch of pearls. I'm not racist. I have black friends, folks. <laughs> too much progress, too fast. Too too yeah. much progress, too fast. We're giving out too much of the pie. Yeah. yeah. And and I think it felt a little bit and. Forced the, the other piece yeah. that social media didn't help with was the the vilifying of them, whether on purpose or on accident, that didn't give them uh, time or space to process that. Yeah. Now there's lots of arguments that I could also fully agree with that say, you know, fuck them. <laughs> They've been <laughs> in power for a long time. It's about time they learn what it feels like it's to the be changing shit up. of the guard, right? Be, right? Yeah. But realistically, when the group is in power, you can't just you know, turn the lights off all, and all of a sudden expect everyone's eyes to immediately adapt, right? Yeah. Like it takes some time. Yeah. And so that combined, that feeling of like, uh, I saw, I can, I will always remember, big fan of the pot, he listens all, all the time. <laughs> uh, um, so we had, a, we had a friend of my wife's from, from grad school and uh, we went to stay, we went back to visit for something, for some, I can't remember what it was for. We went back to visit and we stayed with them. I think it was a wedding or something like that. And we stayed with them. And we went, we ran into like TJ Maxx or Marshall or something like that. And we were walking through the store and it was, um, I think it was still primaries. Or, or maybe Trump had just been named the Republican candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was really early on. And I felt the same, maybe maybe not as intensely, but I felt, you know, similar way that I feel now about, about Trump, which is fuck him. Um, <laughs> and he, I remember him asking me about, like what I thought of like the, the candidates. And I was like, I just like, and I, I just said like nicely said some things. Cause I didn't really know what I was, what kind of shows. Do not get too deep into the weeds? Yeah. Nicely said some things you're, about that. You're just on a nice day of shopping. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> I'm like trying to find like, I'm a, I'm a Rays fan. So I was like, like in uh, Marshalls in Florida, I'm like trying to find like you know like the Tampa shit, Tampa yeah. shit. So I'm like, I don't really care, but anyways. So, but I remember him saying to me something to the effect. I don't know the exact words, but something to the effect of like, 
I just really like that he kind of says what I'm thinking. And he didn't say it out outright like that. Like it didn't come that clean. And I don't even think he necessarily realized what he was saying. But the underlying tone of that was, I feel like I have to change every bit of me because in complete fairness, there is a lot of ingrained racism and and, and just really isms in general yeah. that uh, you don't really have to face as a white guy. Yeah. Right? I'm speaking to a table full of, yeah. Uh, yeah. of white dudes. We oh no, we relate. <laughs> we, we, we don't have to face that, right? Like we don't, no one's like really challenged, no one, like we can enter any space we want to pretty easily without really any reproach. Yeah. And so like for someone to finally start challenging folks, the way, the way that he said that, I will always remember that. And I remember thinking in that moment that maybe Trump had, this is when I still thought Trump was a joke candidate, that maybe he had more to it than I thought. And the analogy that I, I used like in that election cycle and even in this past election cycle is that like, I think what we, what we did, what we thought we did was we thought we like deep cleaned the rug, right? And got not all of the racism out and not all of the, the isms out and sexism and all of yeah. We thought we did a pretty good job. What we really did was we just kind of swept everything under the rug. Yeah, mm. yeah we just resolved yeah. the cat vomit right. on the floor. In the years leading up to 2016. And then in 2016, we thought, hey, we got a good handle. We passed... Um, we passed gay marriage bills. We like we've done all this stuff. Like we're we're being as progressive as a society. We're calling people out on their shit, and then Trump came and just shook the rug out. Yeah. And everyone that we thought we had maybe cleaned up and, and maybe had restored this, they're all they're all back. And and everyone finally felt some like, hey, I don't have to. I can say what I want now. I can yeah. say what I want, yeah. and I don't have to worry about like um, an off color joke. Uh, being misinterpreted as racism, even though it is racism. Yeah, right, right. you know, like so. Yeah. Not to get too far down that rabbit hole, but I, I, I agree with you. Like, I feel yeah. like that's like, an excellent take. That, that, I just feel like that, like you, your point about the deplorables. There was all that stuff that led up to that, and but like there was this growing sentiment of like we are this like the silent majority that that feels like basically we're white folks that yeah. are getting our, our ability to say whatever the fuck we want without getting trouble mm-hmm. taken yeah. away. Yeah, exactly. And then Trump came out and strolled out an escalator and said, fuck the Mexicans. And they're like, <laughs> let's go, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, and the that's wall... That's And the wall just <laughs> went higher. Yeah. That's my that is, that is actually... That is really excellent. Yeah, yeah. that's... that's it's it's and it, I unfortunately I did those many times and like there's got to be a moment where he's gonna like slip up when he said I could go on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and not lose any voters I was like he oh, was he's right like, he's, he's right he's, he's fucking that, right the, the craziest thing I'll always remember about that 2016 election season is that it felt like on a weekly basis there was something always there was man. always something that I was like this has got to be it yeah yeah this has got to this be has it. to stick this has to be it this has to be it and. But that, that's what, all, but that holds sorry, credence to your to what you're saying because they were just under the rug, right? And we we thought no. we thought we solved the problem and we really just put a bandaid on it. And I think the the, the maybe the best example of that is uh, for, for better or for worse, the Dave Chappelle skit they did on SNL the 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 weekend after the election. I don't know if you remember that what yeah, that was, but one, yeah. it was like a bunch of he's like at an election watch party with a bunch of like white folks. And they're like, I can't wait for Hillary to win. What's she gonna say in her speech? You know, and then like, it's like slowly checks in with the the night. Twelve o'clock. And like they're yeah. losing hope. And and Dave Chappelle's like, I told you, 
I could have told you this. I could have told you that. Yeah. Like, y'all white people thought you would fix this, but I'm still living this every day, and I can tell you that it wasn't fixed. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, like, he has not lost his... Trump has not lost his, like, influence over the Republican Party. You see it with J.B. Vance, um, J.D. Vance. Beautiful person. Beautiful person. Very handsome. Have you seen the guy on Twitter who's pretending? What did they call him, though? He, whatever, whatever he, whatever he miscalled him, a guy on Twitter created a handle for that. Oh. <laughs> and then, nice. Um, and then started tweeting and said, I'm the only Ohio GOP senator <laughs> candidate endorsed by Trump. And, like, so good of a parody account that when I first... Saw it, I was like, "Oh, this guy's way far up Trump's ass." And then I realized it was it a satire. Was a parody, yeah, satire. but it was very satire can get lost in text sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I went back to look and then realized the story surrounding it and realized, "Oh, this guy," because the yeah. people that were liking it were people that I didn't think would be liking that. They yeah, probably, they probably didn't even realize. And it, yeah. no, 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 they were they were people that I thought would be anti. Oh, people like, yeah, 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 like, yeah, like yeah, left-wing folks that I was like, like why? Yeah, are you I, thought, I thought I thought I had you. Yeah, I thought I knew who you were. Yeah, I don't know. They uh, become Redfield overnight. Right. Um, <laughs> picks of the week? I'll start off. Uh, very easily, uh, Barry on HBO Max, if you've not watched it yet. Long time because of COVID, obviously. Uh, took a long break between season two. It's such a fucking good show, and it gets better every single year. Uh, Bill Hader's awesome, so watch Barry. I've watched, uh, I've watched, the, I watched part of the first episode, and I just... I put it on at like eleven o'clock. It was just, just like not what I need. Not what I need to be starting yeah, no, start a new show. The, the beauty of it though is that it's only half an hour episodes, mm-hmm. and it's like I think it's only like eight episodes per. So it's like it's you could get through it in a couple hours yeah. if you wanted to. They have like um, three or four seasons in that, right? This is the third season. Now, gotcha. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there was a big break. I think it was like two or three years ago that season two came out, and I for a while I'm like I thought it was canceled because like I'm like I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't heard anything about it, and then all of a sudden it just kind of came out of nowhere. So. One of, the, one of the best shows out there, for sure. I feel like Bill Hader is a guy who just does not get a ton of credit for being that fucking funny. And and can carry pretty emo- pretty good emotional depth, too, because in this season, and I'm not going to reveal too many details, but he's clearly, like, not doing well, like, mm-hmm. mentally. Mm-hmm. And he, like, it comes off in his performance, so it's, like, it's, it's actually well, it's actually well, well played. So. Gotcha. Got it? Got it, what you got? Um, I bought a book... Um, it is the Chapo Trap House Guide yeah. to the Revolution. Juicy. Um, I have not dug into it yet. Okay. Um, but we've talked about Chapo Trap House on the pod a few times before. Yeah. Um, I think it's it, the full the full title is actually the Chapo Guide to Revolution: A Manifesto Against Logic, Facts, and Reasons. I like the book. Actually, kind of got on my radar because Politico put out a hit piece against it. So I was very interested in seeing what they had to say about it. They called it the stupidest book ever written about socialism. So I'm excited to see because that's not really their take. No. And, um... Some, some of them are self-described socialists, but, like, I wouldn't really put them in that category, to tell you the truth. Um, they just don't... They don't dazzle you with bullshit like political Exactly, guys. right. So, um, I look forward to yeah, digging into that. You, uh, yeah, you're gonna have to provide us with updates on yeah. that. Yeah. Josh, you want to go or do you want me to go? Um, I can go. I have, uh, I'm going to kind of cheat. I have a couple. Um, well, shameless plugs and then. <laughs> you got to put it in money into the Patreon. I have more than one now. <laughs> uh, 
that's right, well, that'll start. be $800. <laughs> I'll pick the one then. <laughs> um, uh, shameless plug, uh, low expectations, uh, friends and low expectations. Um, you won't probably understand much of it. It's a podcast about our fantasy football uh, league. Um, there's 10 of us in the league. Um, the commissioner of the league, um, a, a buddy of ours, named, uh, not commissioner, another buddy of ours, Keeper, and then myself, um, do the podcast and we break down our league specifically and with, with some fancy picks and stuff in between um, throughout the season. So we've done a couple off-season episodes. We'll join back. We'll probably do a pre-fantasy draft um, uh, mock draft episode and then we'll jump in. We do a, a breakdown of our season week by week and uh, you can follow the storylines. We hope to be expanding into a larger uh, podcast network at some point, but that will you know, probably be back in the fall. So that's a shameless plug. Number one pick in the draft, if you have it. Who we want to play this year? Just a standard league. We'll talk about standard, standard league. Snake, snake draft, yeah. Standard snake draft. How many How many teams? We'll talk about 12 teams. 12 teams. Well, how many do you have in your league? Uh, ten, there's 10 in that league, but I'm, I'm in six leagues. Yeah. So. Okay, let's, let's do the low expectations league then. Okay, the low expectations league... Um, number one overall, Jonathan Taylor. Terrific. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> that's what I. That's what yeah. I, I had a feeling it was going to be Taylor. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I. You all lean run heavy in yours. Um, this past draft, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. This past draft, we went run heavy. The the interesting to me in a fantasy draft is always when is the quarterback going to go? Yeah, yeah. Because the first quarterback that goes tends to be an avalanche, um, and so it's kind of timing that. Sure. And if you can get in. Again, I think there's two or three quarterbacks that are worth taking early, and there's a giant middle, and so I think like there's a, to me that I kind of always ride the bell curve, and if like I think I can hop on the beginning of the bell curve, um, you know, I, I had a in one league I had last year, before John Patel had the year he had, I won't have this happen again to me. I had um, in a ten team league I had eight, and it was snake, so I had eight by ten, like 13? Eight mm-hmm. thirteen, eight yeah. and thirteen. Yeah, that'd be right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I took um, Jonathan Taylor and and Clyde Edwards Eler. Eler didn't play out for me as much. Yeah, he, he, he got injured. Yeah. Um, but then the way that it circled back, uh, because I took two running backs, it triggered everybody else to take a second running back, which depleted running backs was fine. When it came back to me, I got Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so. So it's just you know, it's always kind of a game you play of like when you're gonna take somebody. Um, you know, sometimes you can take somebody early. To, you always want to be the person who starts the trend rather than the yeah. person who gets it. Yeah, start. unless you started too early. We have a sure. we have a guy in our league, Gino. Rest in peace, Gino. Uh, he's not dead. He just sucks. He took a kicker in the, like the fourth round. What a nerd! What? Wow. Uh, Justin Tucker, in fairness. But it's still, it was still a fourth round. Is this like I a don't give a shit if Justin Tucker delivers your was, child. Was, was he just that confident about his first three picks? Uh, is that is this it? like a quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver, tight end flex type of thing? Uh, quarterback, two running back, two receiver, tight end flex, defense kicker. Yeah. So it's a standard. It's a standard. standard yeah. Fourth round kicker. When do you? When do the quarterbacks usually come off for you? Typically, when does like the first one come off? For for me or for the leagues I'm in? For the, for the well for the, for your league. Okay, so we. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh, middle to end of the second round. Someone oh, that's early. so it's like last year someone took Mahomes, I think, in the middle of the second round. Someone took Mahomes Mahomes pulled in the first round of mine last year and I was like, This is crazy. I'm in one league that consistently one dude always drafts Aaron Rodgers first round. 
Every time. And it, it bothers the shit out of me because he often still ends up making it to playoffs and stuff. Well, for sure. <laughs> well, and, you know, the funny thing is, even in, like, a standard league, if, I, I don't know how you score your quarterbacks, but, I, I, like, oh, I think the standard is four points per passing touchdown and, like, six per rushing touchdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even with... I, by the way, if you are in a league where they change the quarterback to four... You're a psychopath. Your your commissioner is a psycho. And oh, should... that's my commissioner then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, oh wait, were you talking about running back or were you talking about quarterback? Quarterback. Yeah, it's four points per uh, passing touchdown for our for our league. It's the worst. Yeah, I. But it, but at the same time, it, it is kind of nice though that I like two years ago I got Josh Allen in the tenth round, hmm. and like that was the year he blew up. So you sometimes like because they're not at a premium. You do end up getting a guy, but there's always a guy that's going to take life. You know? would love to hit. Let me. Can I, can I show you the maybe the first round or two of our draft? Yeah, yeah, you'd be yeah, very interested to hear because I didn't even realize this is how this happened. Okay, so one one. Who do you think it was? Okay, okay. Let me rephrase this by saying we had keepers. Okay. Okay. So keepers were Mahomes, DeAndre Hopkins, George Kittle, Jonathan Taylor, DK, Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, uh, which is me. Uh, Kamara, Henry, and McCaffrey. Okay. 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 So with that being said, one one was Austin Eckler. Really? That's interesting. One, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily against that because it's a high volume offense. Well, and coming off the 2020 season, that's yeah. not a. I mean, he had an incredible season. He did. His 2021 season was not as good, clearly. Yeah. Uh, one two, Delonte Adams. One three, Zeke. One four, Stephon Diggs. One five, Travis Kelsey. Was Taylor a, a keeper? Taylor was a keeper. Okay. Um, so if you go, if you really, if you go for the first, let's say the first two rounds, um, team one had Eckler and Mahomes, team two had Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins, team three had Zeke and Kittle, team four had Diggs and Taylor, team five had Kelsey, and they traded their keeper to get an extra first round pick. Okay. They picked up Antonio Gibson with. So Kelsey and Gibson. Hmm. Gotta uh, love the commies, baby. Uh, here's the interesting <laughs> one. So, uh, who was the keeper they traded? Uh, they traded DK. Oh. They traded DK for basically 110. Okay. Round I mean, one pick 10. With, without, without Russ, I mean. I don't, know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they trust this, you a lot. Yeah, they're, they're not cooking much. Yeah, well, this, was, this, I mean, this was last year. Yeah. So uh, then 1-6, the keeper was Nick Chubb. Najee Harris was the was the mm-hmm. pick. And then I had uh, Dalvin Cook and took Tyreek Hill at 1-7. Uh, 1-8 was Aaron Jones. Keeper was Kamara. 1-9 was Calvin Ridley. Keeper was um, King Henry. And then um, DK and Christian McCaffrey. Okay. So, uh, so Mahomes is a keeper. The first quarterback actually taken went uh, in the second round, uh, but Snake, so second round, second pick was Josh Allen. And there was not another quarterback taken until Kyler Murray in the third round with the seventh pick, which was me. Juicy. So. Yeah, and it, yeah that, that makes sense, I guess, with the, that amount of keepers, I, I think that, like, Quarterback in the second round is not as egregious, especially if you already have a pretty good stack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also do keepers. Uh, keepers exist outside of the plane of the draft. So I've also been in leagues where the keeper takes over your first round pick. Oh, right. Um, which adds a new dimension. It's like, is there anybody worth, depending on where you're picking, is there anybody worth 
and your roster worth taking, particularly if you have one, 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 two, one, three. Yeah. You know, is it worth keeping somebody on your roster at that position, or is there somebody else on somebody else's roster mm. that you could take? Interesting. Interesting. Um, so that was one. Uh, two pick of the week was uh, I'm gonna kind of lump them together and cheat the MCU. Um, fuck. It's Tom's favorite thing. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, fuck off. We are now here to talk about the MCU. Asmir edition. <laughs> um, it's just a fart noise the whole time. <laughs> um, Moon Knight wrapped up on Wednesday and uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or as, as it's more commonly known... Uh, Dr. Boston Strangler and the multi-person- Multiple Personalities of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Stranger and the Multi-Level Marketing Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> um, what can I say? You referred to it as Dr. Strangelove last night. <laughs> if, if Tom put as much effort into trying out the MCU as he did hating the MCU, he might actually enjoy it. Um, I'd rather walk into traffic than watch an MCU. We actually scheduled that already. We yeah. have a, he has a date with the front grill of my Ford. Oh, yeah. I'm counting it as a meeting, so I get a hundred bucks out of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Moon Knight wrapped up, um, and and Moon Knight and Doctor Strange. I want to specifically mentioning them, not because of any Marvel project, but because both of them, I think, changed the way that Marvel has done shows. I think a lot of the Disney Plus shows have done that. Um, I, I can agree with you that it's a, it can be recycled. It's the superhero genre, not just Marvel, um, but in the ways that DC tries to emulate Marvel. Um, it can be a yeah. really contrived, um, you know, so you texted something like, did the, they have a problem and then they they thought about it and they solved the problem. Yes. You know, like did they fight the big baddie and then some people came in and collected a check. Um, you know, I, I can certainly see that as a, as a Marvel stand, as someone who's, you know, watching them on Thursday or Friday night, you know, as soon as I possibly can, um, I can admit that like there are times where I'm like a little bit bored of the formula, but the interconnection of the story is what really drives me. Yeah. It's, it's the seeing things pay off. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the, something that was mentioned offhand five years ago in a movie comes to fruition in this movie, those things can, you know, help pull me together. These two in particular, Moon Knight, if you haven't watched it, it's on Disney Plus. Um, it follows a lesser known uh, character who has dissociative identity disorder. Um, and so um, there's con- it follows Egyptian gods. So Khonshu is, is the, uh, the god of the night sky. And um, in, in the show, the, the gods have avatars. And so they have a living person on earth who can carry out their will. And so uh, the, the main character in Moon Knight, um, Mark Spector, is the avatar of Khonshu. Uh, but you find that he has uh, multiple personalities, particularly this one, Stephen Grant, who's based off of a uh, Indiana Jones-type fictional um, movie uh, <laughs> yeah, hero. Yeah, that's exactly who he is. Yeah, um, He's got the British accent. He's yeah. got the British accent. And so he creates this uh, multiple personality to, um, to deal with with trauma um and uh the way that they do it is really cool because especially in the beginning it leaves you really in the dark and you don't really know who's who which character you're minus the accent one has an american accent one has an english accent it you can be it can be hard to press to tell who's talking to who 
Uh, you're seeing stuff in reflections and they can talk to each other through reflections so you don't know whose reality you're in. Um, and it gets even more complicated as the story goes on. And by the time you get to the end of it, you really have fuck all idea of, of what reality you're in and what's real and what's in their head, what's in Mark Spector's head and what's he creating versus what's reality. Um, it, it's a really cool interplay with um, the Egyptian gods and, um, and it's, just, it's really well done and I really like the way to do it and the, the, the end credit scene for it really sets up a return. This was supposed to be a limited series um, and it, to me it sets up the idea that they're most definitely going to come up with at least a second season or some kind yeah, of I, movie adaptation. I, I see. For, I've watched m most of the episodes yeah. and I, it definitely seems like they're leading to a second season already right. where I'm at. Um, he had just, I don't know where he's actually in. He's in, he's somewhere, he's in a psychiatric care facility somewhere. Sure. Yeah. So, so spoiler alert for this, if you, if you haven't, if you, if you like MCU and you're not on the Tom team and Tom, plug your ears, hurry. Uh, yeah. Go. And you want to go back. Not, not a huge spoiler, but there's, there's a point where you don't know whether, um, this entire, um, almost Egyptian heist is something that the main character is making up in his head. Or if he's actually in an insane asylum, so if he's actually in an insane asylum, making this all up in his head, or if this is happening in real life and he's internalizing this through the lens of a mental, it's it's it really throws yeah. you off and it, it's um it's it really well done. Every moment you're kind of on your toes trying to guess what's yeah. what what reality, what's yeah. what's real, what's not. And right. There's very there, interesting. There's one yeah. mention. It's a passing mention. Um, to um, to an another Marvel property, but that's the really the extent of the connection to the Marvel mm -hmm. universe. Otherwise, it's a very brief mention of it. Otherwise, there's no characters or anything like that. So it really could almost exist on its own, um, and I think is a really cool way for, for Marvel to do that. In the same way that Sam Raimi directed um, Multiverse of Madness, and it is a uh, PG thirteen horror film. Mm. Um, there are some really intense scenes where some of the main characters are covered in blood and are murdering people, and it's um, it's it's jolting. There's jump scares. There's um, there's times where I really had no idea where this was going, and again, really felt like nothing Marvel's ever done before. So I give both of those a picks of the week um, as a Marvel stand, but also because I I really appreciate the way that. Marvel has attempted to break out of that formulatic um, ideology and show characters in a, a unique way. So, Sam Raimi rules. Sam Raimi yeah. rules. Also, there's also a um, there's a fun little kind of Easter egg to Evil Dead, uh, um, and there's a there's a cameo um, that kind of plays on that a little. Yes, bit. Bruce Campbell. Yes, it's Bruce Campbell. Evil Dead Two is like one of my favorites. So um, like, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a fun little little homage to that. So uh, I have one more pick. Oh, the last pick of the week is uh, Pusha T's new album. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it uh, admittedly, uh, I am I have not followed Pusha T's career as closely as some of my friends have, um, but I was invited to go to a Pusha T concert, and so I'm trying to. I obviously know like the the, the larger hits and the larger um, collection of his work, but his new album I've been listening to it on repeat. Um, it's co-produced by Pharrell and Kanye West, and oh, you can awesome. you can clearly tell the 
the stylistic choices between the two of them. You can, when a song starts, you can tell which one's a Pharrell song, yeah, which one's a Kanye yeah. song. Um, but very distinct differences for for Pusha T being forty five years old or however old he is, and still being able to successfully rap about selling cocaine. <laughs> he's been the he's best in the game. The game. Best in the game at rapping yeah, no selling one, cocaine. No one does it better. Yeah. Right. Twenty years ago. Dude. Um, no one does it better than him reminding you of how he used to sell cocaine. Right. Exactly. Um, it, it's just it's just a really good album, and uh, it's only about thirty minutes long. So it's one you can kind of quickly I like that. Nice. get through. That's not bad. We might outro to New God Flow for this one. We might have to. <laughs> um, so my pick of the week is a book called Hold Fast, and it's written by an author by the name of J.H. Gallinger. Gallinger? Um, kind of a challenging name for me to... Pronounce. I hope Trump endorses him one day. But it's an interesting... Very handsome man. It's an interesting book. It's, it's pretty <laughs> quick to move him. through. Um... It's about a, um, a former British naval marine whose wife was killed on a, um, a British ship during the, um, the Napoleonic era. And now he's trying to leave England as a retired marine. And now he's kind of involved himself as a secret agent to infiltrate the French Ministry of Defense in the French Navy. Juicy! To, to kill the captain that ordered the, the ship that his wife was on. Mm. Um, I see this book becoming a series somewhere. It is already a series. So oh. it's this it's the first book in a series of two so far. Oh no, no I mean like a TV uh, series. Like a, yes, a yeah. series. Yeah. It, it has very much um, Horatio Hornblower vibes to it. I don't know if anybody understands that reference, but if you're fucking loser like I am then you um, that's a book do you ever about, worry about him yeah I worry all the time <coughs> why do you a, think I'm down here right now that's this a book. intervention yeah <laughs> Tom this is not a podcast we're not actually recording this. I know I know it's four hours in but we just wanted to let you know this we is like actually an intervention yeah. cool. why did you let me do all of this <laughs> Um, they don't say we didn't want to also partake. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, starting now. <laughs> but uh, Horatio Hornblower was a, a book series um, from a long time ago about a British like midshipman that ultimately he became a full rear admiral. Um, and this very much has similar vibes to it in the sense of like it's very period based. So if you're interested in like historical fiction about the Napoleonic Wars, this is a great fit. Awesome. Sick. Yeah. Um, Josh, plug your podcast one more time. Yes, Friends and Low Expectations. Um, again, we you can go back and listen to the season one uh, recap of the 2021 uh, NFL season. Uh, and then we had a, a post-Super Bowl recap and a, um, a mock draft ahead of the draft. Again, uh, disclaimer, we say it on the pod, but we did not get the trade draft picks. Um, so <laughs> most of most of my picks were spent saying I think the team could trade this away, <laughs> um, uh, and you know I don't I don't think even we could have anticipated the chaos that was the uh, 2022 NFL draft, yeah. the first round of the 2022 yeah. NFL draft. But that will uh, we release weekly in the fall around fantasy football um, around the football season. So we record well, not we record in the fall, but we will record weekly and release that. Um, and I just wanted to say. Thanks to the boys for having me on. Of course. Thank I, you uh, for coming on the show. Yes. <laughs> I. Um, Are you going to leave your money here? Or? 
Has yeah, it's it's hidden. It's okay. Hidden. You can find Ooh, it. It's like and cool. then, yeah, it's like a little game for you. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we find you? Where can we find your podcast. Oh, okay. and, and like Social during a normal medias. working day too. Like, yeah. where, where do I need to like locate you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where yeah. do you drive? We're trying to keep tabs on you. This I'm morning. at uh, whatever this address, this current address is. I work from home. I'm at uh, Goldmore Drive. Uh, cool. Um, no, I uh, we we are near the ice cream truck. Near the ice cream truck. On all your favorite platforms. Um, we're on your favorite platform, so we're on Apple, uh, Google, Spotify, and we also put a video version on YouTube oh, cool. nice. um, as well. So uh, you can find us on all those major platforms. Social media. Um, we we are working on it. We're working on yeah, it. Right. Like I said, we, earlier we mentioned we are uh, looking to expand the... Um, Friends and Low Expectations podcast to a to a low expectations network. So would you say it's a multiverse? It is a multiverse. <laughs> Multi level marketing. It is madness. Um, so we do not currently have. We are looking to identify what that network will be, and therefore what our Instagram handles will be. Um, but that's that's where we are now. Awesome. Uh, I really I really do appreciate you guys. Um, in some ways, it feels like we're like old friends that we've been able to to, to chat. So. Absolutely. Glad to come on. Yeah, 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 appreciate you. you. Yeah. Tom? All right, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, this is the Second Mouth Podcast, and you can find us on all your major streaming platforms um, as well as Apple, Spotify. Again, shout out to our Apple listeners. 69%. Nice. Nice. Our <laughs> Apple Podcast listeners. So Spotify, you either need to step up or switch over. Um, again, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, um, and you all got to do is search Second Mouse Podcast, um, and we throw out some pretty goofy content. We'll be uh, passing around some more photos from our Charlotte escapades as well, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. I can't tell the difference between my waking life and dreams. Wardrobe is militant and army fatigue when I talk pyramids. Just so you remember who you dealing with. The purest snow, we selling white privilege. Designer drugs will turn niggas limitless. Designer clothes, these hoes losing innocence. The book of blow, just know I'm the genesis. As you come out to the light, can your eyes behold the sight?